he is a big-time Jet fan, Kevin James. I was a running back in high school is that and right? college. This is when you realize the dream is kind of over. When you suck <laughs> at Division Three football. I think this podcast needs more cowbell. Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. Could have, he could have given me a forearm shipper there. <laughs> You could have rammed my head. Larry David. No question I could be an offensive coordinator. Remember the Dan Marino play against the, the Jets? Fake spike. The fake spike? I had that years before. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Strahan and Warren Sapp. Why was he in the game? Only no. Red Fall possesses no. the power. And when they call off tackle left, he's going to move it. But who right? <laughs> hey, that's on Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to this in limbo edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Yes, on the Thursday of the third week of July, we all expected this lockout to come to an end, and it hasn't yet. And I'm actually taking a break from the endless live coverage on NFL Network Television to wrap up this podcast and throw it up on NFL.com and on iTunes as soon as possible uh, because we've got a lot of great stuff. We've got Peter King of Sports Illustrated in person in our studio. A lot of talk with Peter. I sort of allowed myself to break the rule that I've uh, I've instituted on this podcast throughout the lockout that I'm not going to talk about free agency. I'm not going to talk about how the season and the offseason may play out because we haven't had one guaranteed yet. I, I think it's going to happen. It better happen. Um, so free agency is going to be a massive frenzy. And I always want to leave you, uh, with news that you can use and put some ideas in your head that you may not hear elsewhere. So, um, you basically, you can say, I heard that first on the Rich Eisen podcast and Peter King is chock full of that information. He will join me in studio in a moment. Jeff Fisher, the former head coach of the Tennessee Titans. I had so many questions for him as his end game, uh, was playing out and his lengthy tenure, uh, at the head of the Titans slash Oilers organization on the field. Uh, what happened with him and Vince Young? Did he ever really not want Vince Young on that team right from the get-go, right from when they drafted him? Did he not want to even draft him? Uh, and what did happen in that locker room that uh, led to uh, the messy divorce between him and Vince Young and then eventually uh, the divorce between him and the only organization he's known as a, uh, a head coach? Um, and also, he's now involved with the National Football League's officiating department as a consultant. Uh, what is that going to be all about? And can he use whatever muscle he has now within that officiating department to get rid of the dreaded tuck rule? That is definitely one of my uh, reasons for being. Get rid of that tuck rule. want to talk about all that with Jeff and also his future. Does he want to coach again? That's coming up as well. And uh, one of my favorite actors on my favorite drama on television right now. Uh, Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad. He has won three consecutive Emmys for Best Actor in a Drama. That has not happened since Bill Cosby pulled off that feat for I Spy in the 60s. And uh, it started as a cult hit on AMC. Season four just debuted last Sunday to record numbers. 2.7 million viewers tuned into the season premiere of Breaking Bad on AMC. And uh, so many of you now might be familiar with the show or, like myself, be obsessed by it, with it. And it's one of the more fascinating characters that Brian Cranston plays, Walter White, um, a chemistry teacher, a regular guy um, who contracts cancer 
and wants to leave his family with a nest egg. So he does what, you know, anybody would do if you're a chemistry teacher with that fate. Uh, you become a, 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 meth, a, a meth lab rat. You cook up meth and you start selling it. It is a real dark show. It's got a little bit of a sense of humor to it, but it's really intense and really dark. And I've got a lot of questions for Brian Cranston and, and, and throwing his name out on Twitter uh, this week that he was going to be on the podcast. Man, did he really uh, garner a lot of interest. So uh, it's a lengthy chat. I get deep into it. If you have only watched season one of this show, I would suggest when we get to the question that I ask him about uh, what what has been turned down by the show, what has been deemed too shocking by the show to not air, I suggest you fast forward by two minutes. Something might get ruined uh, for you. But other than that, listen to the entire conversation. I do hit him up on Seinfeld as well. As you know, he was uh, the dentist, Tim Watley, and a handful of shows, some great Seinfeld shows as well. But let's get right to uh, Peter King. Let's talk some football with Peter King. The uh, man himself from Sports Illustrated, NBC, Peter King. Hall of Famer. Rich. Right here. Good to see you. How you doing? How are you? Good. Do you like that Hall of Famer, Peter King? Because oh, you are. That's, I mean, that's seriously, silly. I mean, I know you don't have your bust in in Canton, but you're, that, you you're know the Rosella Award I, winner I, from a couple I, of years ago. I just, uh, what's really, really nice about that is that, um, you know, I, I look up and see guys who I read for a long time mm-hmm. and guys who I followed for a long time, you know, like Will McDonough. And um, it's just nice to be in the same league, uh, you know, as they are. And um, the world has changed. The media world changes every year. Uh, it, you know, this comes from a guy who two and a half years ago never heard of Twitter. Um, <laughs> How many followers do you have now? At SI underscore fi- Peter King, right? 560,000 something. Man, you know, man. it's – but what happens – if you don't, you know, when I talk to schools, when I talk to kids now, mm-hmm. I, I, I always say, don't do one thing. Because in this business, look at you. I mean, there's TV, there's podcasts, there's radio, there's this, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be versatile right now. There's writing. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm mentoring one uh, girl from Montclair, New Jersey, sort of. At, she's at Penn State. And I said, I'll be very disappointed in you if you do the same thing two years in a row. Be, you know, at school, sure. you, you should do a lot of different things. And that's what, to me, it's weird thinking about, you know, the pro football writers and 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 all that and, and being on the plaque in the Hall of Fame because I really consider myself as much anything else as somebody who is kind of a multimedia person. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned writing, too. Uh, even though it, it sounded like an afterthought, but clearly uh, it's not for you. I understand that, even though it sounded like that. Because the bottom line is, regardless whether it's podcast or anything else, writing is still the underpinning on it is. any yeah. any form of journal, television, podcast, yeah. even even Twitter. I'm serious. I know you've yeah. only got 140 characters, yeah. but the way you actually write it out could be clever. It could yeah. be informative. I mean, to me. That is that is what I you know I would also tell people too is you got to know how to write. First. It's it's Bottom all line. it's all communicating and um, y- even if you're doing a radio talk show, right. if you're Mister Run on Sentence, you're not going to have a job for very long. And and if you're on TV, and they tell you you got twenty seconds and you go thirty six, you're not going to have a job for too long. It's 
It's communicating with an economy of words, mm -hmm. except in Monday morning quarterback. Then you can have diarrhea of the keyboard oh, at right. four o'clock in the morning. And if you and if you but and, and and your and your followers and your readership, if 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 you don't go on and on and on and on, they're disappointed because yeah. they're used they're used to having that Monday morning quarterback taking up maybe an entire train ride or yeah. an entire uh, an entire you know meal what, Rich, to get a, through and pour through or two different lot, sittings. You know, there's an incredible amount to say after football weekend. When you think about the impact of what whatever it is, 14 games, 16 games, mm. and the impact because games, uh, because there are so few games, mm -hmm. and because every week means so much, there's so much to say. And we've become this uh, sort of football media society right now that analyzes everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I forget what week it was. It was like on June 13th or June 20th, I wrote 7,300 words. I'm saying, this is the height of the, the offseason with the lockout. I'm telling you. And I, I mean, and so, but there always seems to be so much to say when you're writing about the NFL, and that's why it's so much fun. And the other fun part of it is, People just live and die with it. It's unbelievable. I, I had a, this lockout has proven that more than anything. No, no else. question. I am. Uh, I just I sent a, a tweet about this the other day that uh, I was in Boston last week near my home, and I was crossing the street, and this huge Verizon truck pulled over, mm -hmm. and not a wide street, kind of a narrow street. So we just stopped, and he goes. Peter, they're going to be any football? What's happening? I and no, I mean, it's everywhere. You, you get no it all idea the time. How many times I've been asked that? Jim Moore Sr. was on this podcast last week talking about not only his passion for films, he was the official uh, movie reviewer now of this podcast. Are you he, aware of that? Uh, that no. he's a huge movie buff? I didn't know. Oh, that. yeah. He grew up basically on a lot, on a movie lot, right wow. at the Fox lot, right up the street on, on Motor and Pico. So, yeah, we created a new system that was actually quite popular. A lot of people on Twitter love it. Uh, instead of giving out stars, he gives out diddly-poos. <laughs> Zero diddly-poos for a movie he likes and yeah. four diddly-poos movie he doesn't. But anyway, he's, he, we also talked about the trip he took to the Persian Gulf with his son and, yeah. and uh, Wizen Hunt and also Kubiak. Number one question he was asked, are we going to have football this year? Yeah. By troops overseas. It's truly well, I'll remarkable. Tell you that and thankfully... We've got an answer. You know what? I took that trip three years ago, uh, yes. the USO trip. And mm -hmm. the one thing I did find is that um, and if you take away football, mm -hmm. if football didn't exist for a year, you can talk about who would be hurt the most and the, you know, the, uh, the businesses around stadiums and fans and fantasy football and all that. There's absolutely no question about it that the troops overseas would be hurt the most. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll tell you why. Because they live in, in the off-season. They're talking about the free agency, and they're talking about the draft. And you like the Rams. I like the Cowboys. You, you know, it's, it is, it's intense. So much so that I met some Army Rangers who were in a firefight. They were about to go into a firefight uh, on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. And the night before they did, they were talking trash about a Redskins-Cowboys game. And the next day, there's a good chance that some of them are going to die. But that's everything to them. It is everything. And uh, some of the soldiers who I know, who I, you know, I correspond with a couple... They've been through this off season, you know, get this thing done. We can't 
go through a, a year without football. Thankfully, so they not. won't have to. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, oh. but didn't it make Rich? Didn't it just make too much sense? Didn't it make too much sense for course, everybody? Made... Even, even, and 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 I'll just say this. I'll just say this. Everybody has said, "Oh, I've I've lost my love for football. I've done this." No, I said, no. "Listen, listen, just just no. this is a business." Okay, as much as it's a sport, it's a business. Until games are lost, We're, don't throw people under any true. bus. Until games are lost. Now that's right. a cru- but 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 that said, I I think fans feel, if I can make the analogy, they feel like the kid upstairs who hear mom and dad screaming at each other downstairs, and the, the kid should be spared this stuff because the kid only loves. What's going on downstairs? The only and want thing, everybody to get along, yeah. and 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 the parents keep screaming at each other, knowing, ah, oh, you know what, the kid, the kid will be all right eventually. We'll we'll figure it out. But the only it's thing just, Rich, that's what it's struck like. That's what the fans' role in this was to me. I, I agree, and it says to me that people are childish, that they don't understand. <laughs> do you honestly think? Well, but do you honestly all... think that in a nine to ten billion dollar business, mm-hmm. that once in a while people aren't on the other side aren't going to walk to the edge of a cliff and say go ahead i dare you but I they did you. but they did they went over the cliff in my mind on on march 11th to me i didn't think they were going to go past well, march 11th i didn't I, think I just, this this that this would i did not see march through july happening i, really I didn't did not i didn't it. either but it's just like anything that in our society that nothing really gets done until 11.59 p.m. Mm-hmm. in a huge negotiation. I said it at the time on, on March 12, um, and I'll keep saying it. I, I, I thought it was ridiculous that talks broke off then because the deal that D. Smith at the time called, that would have been the worst deal in the history of sports. That's basically about 85% of the deal that is, you know, once we get all mm-hmm. of the details right. on this deal, it's not all that much different. You know, they, they had made a lot of progress on all of the sort of secondary and tertiary issues. Obviously, the big thing that they had to figure out was what are we going to do about the rookie salary pool and what are we going to do about what percentage that mm-hmm. players are actually going to get. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. here's what I hand to D. Smith. At the beginning of this whole thing, if anybody had ever said to the players, oh, we'll give you 47% of total football revenue. They'd say, no they'd way. They'd say, you're crazy. Right. But once they started to realize that 47% of and Rich, in 2014, I think one of the things we're going to see... How big is this pie going to get? Well, I think one of the things we're going to see in the next few months, mm-hmm. not in the next few years, but in the next few months, I believe that the NFL is going to go to all of the networks and say, okay, we got labor peace. Let's go and take all of the TV contracts and run them out into the future. You know, even farther than 2014, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think I think right now when you look at uh, the the upshot of this, one of the great things about labor certainty mm-hmm. is network television certainty, cost certainty. Whereas every other sport, they don't have that, and most businesses don't have that. And and how big is it going to get? I, I don't know, but I think that you know the TV contracts. The next ones are going to go up at the very least fifty percent, probably hearing, more. You're hearing, I'm hearing, 
an astronomical number right. for the Monday night package for ESPN alone. What are they right now? They're at one point one billion. I heard that could double. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the same thing with Sunday night. You know, maybe going from six hundred to a billion. Who knows? So I means, don't know. So that means you're going to get a nicer courtesy car. Is that what that means? Because it clearly, no. cl- clearly, that will wind up hey. uh, in some way making your life a little bit better, right? Hey, hey, uh, Comcast people want to pamper Peter King. The the only thing I know about all of these things is that you and I and the guy down the street are paid far too much to talk about this stupid game, you know? Man. So let's talk about it. This is great. I've got right here the, uh, let me reach for it. It's the the annual record and fact book. It's just 2010 because clearly nobody had the chutzpah to come out with 2011 yet. So we don't have the record and fact book that everybody gets. And uh, on the back of it, uh, I'm showing here, I'll show it to you. You get all the teams. All the teams. Let's talk. Let's run through them. Let's whip through them. Let's find. This is fantastic. Talk football. I am. I might start crying, Peter, talking football. I might start crying. What's so much fun, in my opinion, is that it's going to happen so fast. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Right. Oh, my gosh. Here's the the one thing that I think is going to be very interesting, that I think teams are going to say to a lot of their own guys, look, you know, we want to re-sign you. I mean, let's take Baltimore and Marshall Yonda. Mm-hmm. Not many people really know Marshall Yonda. He was one of my two all-pro tackles last year on my uh, on my all-pro team. But he's a guy who has played both guard and tackle for the Ravens. And now he uh, you know, is going to be able to taste freedom. And the Baltimore Ravens have to be able to try to re-sign him before he gets to that open market and right. goes and signs some, somewhere else. And so a guy like him... I can see Ozzie Newsom saying to his agent, I can say, hey, you know, here's our offer now. And if you don't take it in the next couple of days, we're going to have to go look at another guard, another it's tackle. Unbelievable. And so all of these guys, I, I Multiply believe. that by whatever, times by 32. Yeah. And I think, I think you're going to see in free agency a giant game of chicken. Now, let me, before we get into the nitty gritty for each team, um, let me throw out a statement to you, and you tell me if it's way, uh, if this, if it's accurate or it's just overblown. Because yeah. normally, you know, obviously, in uh, as we call an NFL network, the non-playing season, when the league year begins, right up until let's say uh, training camp starts, right. uh, clearly what moves are made are crucial and winning and losing for the final year. But now that because it's condensed in such a small period of time, right. A super. Here's my statement to you. You tell me if you think it's accurate or overblown. A Super Bowl will be won or lost in the next ten days. Well, I don't think that that's true because I think there's. I think it's been a long time that a team is as impressive returning from winning a Super Bowl mm-hmm. as the Green Bay Packers, and I'll tell you why. I mean, who are they really going to lose? Who's the biggest name? The only name really is probably Cullen Jenkins. Now, that could be a significant loss because he's a really good – I mean, he can play anywhere along the line, really, probably except for pure nose. But he's a very versatile defensive lineman. But the Packers have so much depth at so many positions that I'm really not sure that they're going to um, – that they're going to be very active at all in free agency. Hmm. And whoever they sign – I would not be a bit surprised. I don't know what the odds in Vegas are. I'm sure that they're probably the favorite. But I think they'll be the favorite at the end of free agency unless. And I'll I'll give you a couple of for instances. 
What if the Houston Texans sign Namdi Asamoah, right. which they absolutely should do? What about have to do? Oh, they, I think they have, have to do to. it. Like I think whatever, it, however McNair, many McNair dollars it will take. So let's say, they, let's say they sign him. Right. And let's say they sign one or two other, one or two other guys, and Arian Foster comes back and, and has another Arian Foster type year, and all of a sudden they always score 24, 28, But is Namdi points. really the difference maker? That plus yes. Wade Phillips? See, I think Namdi is absolutely the difference maker. But what I'm saying is that I could see in a fairly wide open AFC, even though Houston hasn't been a part of that, uh, the wide openness, mm-hmm. um, I could see Houston taking that jump with a couple of pieces and getting into uh, Super Bowl contention in free agency, which is why I'll tell you this, Rich. A lot of people say, "Well, geez, uh, you know, you you by this time last year you had already picked who you thought was going to win the Super Bowl." And every year in the last five six years, I've picked Super Bowl teams in mm-hmm. May or June. Uh, and, but I said, "It's you can't do you it. Can't it's do like that. you got no. your you, it's no. like giving an incomplete grade in school. You you don't know who's going to be where, so it's impossible to pick it right now." So okay, so we sort of hit on two teams. You think the Packers are going to be just they're just going to come back like the, their their signings will be guys like Jim Michael Finley who come back from injury. The, those right. are the guys. Those will be the additions. The guys who. Because they won a Super Bowl pretty much on their bench depth last year. It was pretty remarkable. They had an incredible year. And what I loved about them last year and why I laugh when I hear people say, oh, they're going to be in contention for Namdi. Why? You know, Woodson... Williams, Shields, no, that's as good they a never three make man. A big spl- I mean, they're not going Reggie to. White was their last free agent yeah. splash. If you think about Charles Woodson too, right? I mean, in well, a way. but Charles Woodson was tarnished when he went to right, Green Bay. Correct. So, uh, so let's talk Bears. Let's yep. go back to the the NFC North. Yeah. Their issue is going to be what? Will they go for Plexico Burris? Do you think that they're going to be in that? Mix? I think they'll sign. Uh, I think they're going to sign a uh, veteran possession receiver. Uh, because I think that Mike Martz still believes that Devin Hester can be the field stretcher that he wants and where you can use Cutler's arm, the way he used Warner with Oz Hakeem and and those guys in St. Louis. Um, but I, I, would, I would also say this. I think that they will also be in the market probably more significantly for the best, avail- best available guard or tackle. Even after drafting Gabe Karimi, they didn't need one. They needed two. And, hey, if somehow, some way they get a center long-term to replace Olin Krutz, who may only have one more year, mm-hmm. all the better. So that's a no on Burris for the Bears, you believe? I, 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 was, I wouldn't be shocked, but um, they, they haven't been a, uh, a risky team. Jerry Angelo has not been a risky guy like that. Vikings, do they stick with Ponder? Because it seems that they're set pretty much everywhere else. The, the two questions in my mind for them are, clearly, what are they going to do with quarterback? Could they go get I think McNabb? They have to. I think they have to uh, inquire about Matt Hasselbeck. I think they have to consider Donovan McNabb. Um, Even though they went ahead and they chose Ponder and, yeah. and Leslie Frazier said, everyone else in the division has their guy for years, their cornerstone first-round That's cornerback. True, but, and, you know, he also, Leslie Frazier also realizes that he's got a defense that's ready to win on Labor Day. Christian Ponder's not ready to win at the NFL level on Labor Day. So to me, I think the Vikings have to get somewhere between a, a Mark Bulger and a Matt Hasselbeck veteran. And on that spectrum between Bulger and Hasselbeck, I would put McNabb 
kind of in the middle because I would much rather have Hasselbeck than McNabb for a couple of years. What about Sidney Rice? That's the other question about that team, right? I mean, I'd be surprised if they re-sign Sidney Rice if he's if he's unrestricted because um, you know they 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 don't have a great amount of cash to spend. Mm-hmm. And I think Sidney Rice is going to be one of those guys at receiver along with Vincent Jackson, assuming that <clears throat> that those guys get to test the unrestricted market. Those are two guys who I think would be too rich for the Vikings' blood. And, you know, there's always a, uh, there's always, <coughs> there's always a bandwagon team where the bandwagon's full. I think the Lions might be that for 2011. Boys, everybody just on the Lions bandwagon. What Rightfully you, so. What because, do you think happens well, with them here? Because Matthew Stafford uh, had never been hurt significantly in his life and until he got to the NFL. And I think now one of the things that uh, that Schwartz and Lenahan are going to pound into him is stop taking chances outside the pocket. We don't employ you to run for a first down. We employ you to pass for first downs. And so I think he'll be smarter in when to take chances and when not to. The big question for me on the Lions is I really think whether it's – I don't think they're going to go for Asamoah. If they're not, they need to go get a Jonathan Joseph type. Mm-hmm. They need to go get a serviceable to good quality NFL corner because they still – they're in a division right now – where the two best teams, you know, if you consider Chicago and Green Bay since they met for the championship last year, uh, the NFC, the two best teams have quarterbacks that can strafe the Lions' secondary. And so I think they have to go get a corner in free agency. Let's go NFC South. The Falcons, boy, they went up and they, they had the splash of the draft. Where, where do they go once uh, Dimitrov is open for business here? I think what Thomas Dimitrov is going to look for is he's going to look for uh a um a pass rusher after the initial flurry in other words um i don't look for him to go and spend you know 10 million bucks a year trying to invent a pass rusher but i do think that what he thinks he's missing right now is an heir to john abraham and uh i it's not on his roster it's not croy bierman and I think they just believe right now that they need to get better pressuring the quarterback. The one other thing that I wouldn't be surprised, because they they could have some some losses on the offensive line, would not be surprised to see them uh, try to fortify themselves both in uh, in undrafted college free agents, in looking for uh, a couple of offensive linemen to make their team, mm-hmm. not just to bring into camp. Because I think they want a couple of projects long-term to work with in Young. The Saints, I think their biggest issue that everyone's going to be staring at is Reggie Bush. What do they do with Reggie Bush, Peter King? What do you think? I think if Reggie Bush is willing to do what Mickey Loomis wants him to do, which is to really shred his salary (laughs) and put a lot of it in incentives, um, then he'll be a Saint again. And if not... I wouldn't be surprised to see Reggie Bush, depending on where it shakes out, go to a team like Philadelphia. Wow, the team Him I and th- Lashawn McCoy in the same. The backfield. team I really think that he should go to, mm-hmm. uh, and people are going to say, "Wow, where'd you pick that?" Is the Indianapolis Colts? I think the Colts desperately need uh, a home run hitter out of the backfield to take the pressure off Manning. That's a great idea. This wow, is spectacular. This theater. is go. This is going to be a year where Peyton Manning 
I think is going to come into the year, um, and it's going to be interesting. Ron Turner is his new quarterback coach. I think Ron Turner is going to put some pressure on Peyton Manning. I think Ron Turner is going to come in and really coach him harder than he was coached in the past few years because I think he believes that everybody knows what we're doing. Everybody knows what you're doing. You're coming off a neck injury. And so I think that you need to help Peyton Manning a little bit more. How will Manning respond to that, though, do you think? you think Peyton will respond positively? Fantastic. He wants to be coached. He wants to be coached hard. He wants to have a little creative tension with a coach. He does not want a yes man for a coach. And to me, I just think it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like Brady was, you know, with Charlie Weiss and really with Bill O'Brien because a lot of a lot of it you would say, well, you know, Brady sort of runs his own show and look at him on the sidelines. He's this. I can just tell you for a fact, knowing people there, Tom Brady loves it when you tell him something that helps him play better. And same thing with Manning. Do you think, though, Bill Polian would pull the trigger on Reggie Bush when there's so many guys there in line for contracts? Reggie Wayne, right? Probably um, not. Also uh, on the defensive line. Um, why am I? Well, you got I, Mathis. You got, Mathis, is, got, Mathis wants a new deal. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I mean, but but you know what? Polian. Uh, and really, Rich, one of the things I think you're going to see this year, I think you're going to see Chris Polian kind of exert himself a little bit more. Because really, think about this. Chris Polian has been the general manager of this team for over a year. But if you ask anybody hmm. who's making the decisions oh, in Indianapolis, sure. it's Bill. And I think one of the things that Bill really does want to do, Bill does want to co- sort of pass it on to both Chris and to a vastly underrated scout, their, their big college guy, Tom Telesco. Um, I think he, he's ready because he knows how good they both are. Mm-hmm. He's ready for them to make those decisions. Now, will it happen suddenly? Probably not. But I do think, I, I, I think this, Rich, I think that there are going to be some guys on that team who are going to be disappointed that they don't get a lot of new money from Indianapolis because they can't pay them all, and they also understand that they got to re-sign Peyton. Now, what will be really interesting to see with Peyton, because he he you know he's obviously due a, a bump. Uh, the question is, you could pay him anything, and nobody could really argue with you. Mm-hmm. But if you pay him... You know, Brady is now at 19. You paid Manning 25. Well, that's going to take away from, you know, somebody else who you can pay. Let's figure what that is. Just, I mean, because obviously you can figure numbers. It's one-fifth of your cap. Yeah. It's one-fifth of your cap. It could be one-sixth potentially at some point. But, yeah. All right. uh, Where are we now? We're still in the South. South. You know what? Let me just say the the two other teams we didn't talk about in the South. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about Carolina. We didn't talk about Tampa. Please go ahead. Carolina, to me, is going to have the toughest road of any team in football because, first of all, you know, you've got a head coach who doesn't know anybody. He's met most of the guys on his team before all this happened. He doesn't know anybody. He's instituting a lot of new policies, not just scheme-wise, but, you know, he wants to change up from John Fox, and as does Jerry Richardson. So I think you're going to see in Carolina – 
Um, you know, just the, the the difficulty in doing all these things. Plus, you're going to play Cam Newton at some point. Well, you might play him opening Jump day. Street, man, he's got to be. I mean, but you're going to stick Jimmy Clausen out there week you do, one. But but here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, I think Bobby Bethard in San Diego, their biggest mistake with Ryan Leaf was, and I'll never forget this in 1998, going to their training camp saying. Uh, to their people, well, what what do you do with Ryan Lee? Well, we have to put him out there. P- you know, the people in the boxes who have you know, but we he got was, he, he's got to play. But he's he was clearly play. emotionally and physically and mature wise. But how do ready. we know? Uh, maybe, do we don't, don't know, know anything. You we don't know anything that, about you Cam make that Newton. Call on Cam especially, Newton. especially if Steve Smith shoots his where, way out of town. Where is he going? So I I I would bet that Steve Smith is opening day in San Diego. Well, Charger fans would be so psyched for that. It, it so would be, be good Vincent because Jackson, I'm, Steve Smith. Well, I don't. The weapons. I don't think. For, that, I don't think Vincent Jackson would be back in that in that case because I just don't think they want to pay. I think they think that they're you know if if you're talking about pass catchers mm-hmm. and you've got Antonio Gates, the best tight end in football, or he and Jason Witten one and one a. You got Antonio Gates. You got Malcolm Floyd who's coming on. Mm-hmm. You got other young receivers. You got Legadu Nane. And I'm not saying that he's as good as Steve Smith or Vincent Jackson, but I think that the Chargers feel like we can't pay three big pass catchers mm-hmm. eight to ten million a year. You know, think of it. You sure. can't pay Gates and two receivers at the at the highest level. Right. So I my guess is just a guess. Because I do think, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, teams are cheating and everything like that. And who knows? Maybe some things will come out. All I know is this. There's a lot of people who cover this league very, very uh, uh, intimately Mm -hmm. and who know things. And I haven't heard a lot. I personally Mm -hmm. have not heard a lot about agents making deals before this. And I I speak specifically about Namdi Asama. Mm -hmm. I honestly think this Asama thing is going to come out very clean in well, terms we'll of we'll in f- terms of in terms of right. a deal already having been made because I don't think a deal has been made because yet. I got to share you with everybody else yep. here you're, you're in the NFL media car wash by the way Peter King I don't <laughs> know if you're aware of that uh, I, I, I want to work right. through some of these real quick then because there are some there's some uh, two I, sentences on every team go ahead okay let's go Buccaneers uh, Tampa Bay will do almost nothing of of money mm-hmm. in this, and I don't think they're going to re-sign Barrett Rude. What about I, Tlaib? Uh, I think Tlaib comes back. Uh, what about Tiki? Tiki? Does he go there? No, I think Tiki goes to Pittsburgh. Really? The Steelers yeah. will go get him. Uh, so then that's the South. The Arizona Cardinals, which quarterback did they get? Jim Mora said he went, He was on, as I mentioned earlier, he was in the Persian Gulf with Wisenhunt. He said Wisenhunt had four names. He wouldn't tell me who they were. But I asked him if he if he saw a Kevin Cobb dossier lying around. Is that the guy or is it not the guy? I think they're very interested in Cobb, but I think for Arizona, it's most likely to come down to Hasselbeck or Bulger. Hmm. What is the Cobb deal going to be? Do you think? I think I, my guess is that Cobb's going to go to Seattle. For what? Two twos? A one? Two, two, two twos makes the most sense, or a one and a four, something like that. So Cobb's the guy, Hasselbeck goes elsewhere. I think, think Hasselbeck goes elsewhere. I think Hasselbeck goes to either Tennessee or Minnesota. St. Louis Rams is he a plexico? Is that a plexico landing spot? You think? It should be. For some reason, they seem a little reticent on plexico. But I do know this: Spagnuolo's got a very good relationship of with course, them. They want to ring it together. It makes it makes a lot of sense because they do not have the proven deep threat, 
right there. You'd have no idea right now how healthy Donnie Avery can stay. That would worry me. If I were the Rams, I'm going and getting Plexico. So the San Francisco 49ers, what do they have? That's Alex it's Smith, Alex right? Alex Smith's team. And uh, But I'll tell you this. You say this about Jim Harbaugh, and I was there for the draft. If Colin Kaepernick is better than Alex Smith in week three, he's, there. he's playing him. So you think September 11th? I don't think he will be. Okay. But if he is, he, he'll Well, play this him. is Alex's last chance at the Niners, At right? the Niners, yeah. Okay. But you know what? It's interesting. There's a lot of people in the league who like Alex Smith. Well, he's smart. In a move offense, the way Harbaugh's going to play, a move the quarterback offense, I think he's got a chance not to be great, but mm-hmm. to be the guy who the 49ers draft. The Seahawks. So you say September 11th, Seahawks open up. You say Kevin I'm gonna Cobb's guess their Cobb. quarterback. I'm going to guess Cobb. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but on September 11th, I wouldn't be surprised if Whitehurst is the guy just because mm-hmm. if it is Cobb, you know, how do you walk into a place and five weeks later start when the other guy's been in the system? Let's go NFC East real quick, I guess. They, Redskins aren't going to go with John Beck, are they? Are they really? I mean, I know that. That's I, a think very odd way to ask question. I think it's 55 45 Beck over Grossman. Either that's, that's opening day. Peter King. I'm just telling you. I know what you're telling me. I'm not shooting the messenger here. But I mean, in that division, okay, Romo. Well, let me ask you this question. Romo, Eli, and Vic, the Redskins are going to go. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to go get Hasselbeck? Why not? I, I, hey, I love Hasselbeck, so I would go get him. Or get anyone. What, but, but, but understand this. Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan have had two guys in their system now. For a year, and in the off season, they knew exactly what they were I'm supposed sure to work did. on, and they did. All I'm saying is that the Washington Redskins don't want to come in opening day with a guy who's been in their facility for five weeks. And I am, I am well aware of to whom I'm speaking. And, okay, <laughs> I, when I say this, okay, I'm well aware to whom I'm speaking. But you think Shanahan is full a of hall, beans? A Hall of Famer, okay, a Hall of Famer, as we as we mentioned at the top, who who is. <coughs> intimately involved in the NFC East. That, you, that was your beat. That was your beat. You were on the Parcells beat. I don't know do what they're going to really do. Do you really think, do you really think, do you really think that they would go back or Grossman all year long? That honeymoon would be how over. Do you know, how do you know? Over. I don't know It's all maybe year already long. over. Hey, hey let's, go, let's go a year ago. Did you think there was one scintilla of a chance that a healthy Donovan McNabb no. would be pulled in no. midseason Never. for Rex Grossman? Never. Come on. So, I mean, how do you know? If he stinks, he'll play the ball boy. That's what Shanahan's always done. Cowboys, what do they do? What is Jerry? Jerry Jones always active. See, I, I really think, I know I've I've read and heard that the Cowboys are not going to go after Namdi. Makes too much sense. This reminds me of the Deion Sanders time when, when they signed seven years, $35 million. Or five years, thirty-five million, whatever it was for Dion with the thirteen million dollars signing bonus, they were on the verge mm. of being really good. Jerry Jones is convinced they're on the verge of being really good, and some of their players, like Jason Witten, are getting old. And so, and I, I don't old is the wrong word, but you don't want to have a six-year plan because how do you know if Romo and Witten are still going to be there in six years? So. I still think that they're going to be players in uh, Namdi Asamoah. Giants, do they make a move of significance? Is Ahmad Bradshaw going anywhere? Do you think? What do you think about that? I don't. I don't think the Giants. The Giants. Uh, uh, what they're likely to do is a Paul Pozlesny type. They're likely to uh, to get better at linebacker rather than to go make a headline. Okay, and the Eagles. What do you think? 
Cobb's gone, correct? That's that's a given. I don't think it's a given he's gone, but I think it's likely he's gone, which I think is a mistake because mm-hmm. what you're saying is that we're okay with Kafka playing three or four games. Okay. Because I don't think Vic stays healthy for a year. He's only done it once in his career. Um, I, I, you know what? I think they will be players in Namdi. Okay. Yep. Uh, Broncos, it's Tebow, right? Uh, Tebow's the quarterback. I don't there. know. I really don't That's know. That's really up in the air. I think it's very much up in the air because I think that the fans all want Tebow. Yeah. But I think John Fox, if you gave him sodium pentothal, would want Orton. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I, I love that. Rich, line. I think I think if I also think that if they get right. if somebody says we'll give you a two for Orton, they'll take it. You already talked Chargers, Chiefs. I think the Chiefs might go after a couple of guys, but I, I, who I, I don't know who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. But I know that that uh, Scott Pioli really would like to re-sign some of their own guys. I think he'd really like to get one of those corners, you know, maybe Flowers re-signed mm-hmm. and Tom Bahali. I think that's more important to him than going out and spending a lot of money in free agency. What do you think about the Raiders? Um, I think they'll, they always like to make a splash, mm-hmm. you know, and I think they could be, uh, uh, they could be a spot for a player who none of us expect right now. And the reason why I'm being so vague on that is that the Raiders are always like yeah, that. Please. You no don't, you don't know who it's going to be. But one guy who the, knows. They'll, they will, they'll go out and they'll pay somebody a lot of money. And it's going to be Jason Campbell's team, correct? Right, this year, I okay. think, yeah. Uh, we already talked Colts. We already talked Texans. We sort of hit on Tennessee. You think the Tennessee Titans, you ha- they, they, they can't start uh, Jump Street. With, I don't think with Locker. Locker. Right? I don't think so, especially after this weird off season. See, I think they're going to try, if it's reasonable, to go get Matt Hasselbeck. He's a Mike Reinfeldt, the GM mm-hmm. guy, and so I think they'll make a play for Hasselbeck. Jacksonville. Do you think that's a Burris spot, maybe potentially, or no? It makes sense for them because they need mm-hmm. him. Um, but I, I don't. I don't know very much about the Jaguars, other than to say. They want to make sure that they've got at least one more playmaker on offense. We spoke about the Ravens. Uh, What's Carson Palmer? We have seven teams left to go. I think Carson Palmer uh, is going to stick to his guns, not go anywhere, and maybe, and and I mean maybe, uh, on October 1st, if he still doesn't want to come, maybe Mike Brown says somebody will give us a one, we'll trade him. Hmm. Browns. Uh, I don't think they're going to do a lot, but I think it's a big mistake that they don't go after a receiver in free agency. I think they need uh, a big receiver. They got nobody. I'm a big Colt McCoy believer, and I don't think they're giving them a very good chance unless this rookie, the kid from North Carolina, is very good. Then briefly, Ocho's back in Cincinnati. You think that's much? No, I don't think so. I think he's going to go somewhere. Oh, if I had a lottery, I'd want to pull the New England ticket for New England, New England. Okay. Yeah. What about New England? Let's just hit them briefly. I I've heard that they're probably not going to go out and get a pass rusher. That they're going to do it from within. I oh, mean, this is this is this is Bill Belichick's. It's amazing to me that Bill Belichick on draft weekend didn't go get a pass rusher. Drafted his fourth uh, top two round cornerback in four years. Mallet and then goes and, and gets Mallet. But you know what? I love Mallet. That's fantastic sure. to get him as the seventy sixth pick in the draft. Why not? But the Patriots to me. 
I think they'll be a little bit bottom fishers, and maybe they go get a receiver. Maybe, who knows? I wouldn't be shocked if Vincent Jackson isn't getting the money that he wants that mm-hmm. New England could go after him. I, I think that that it's either going to be uh, you know a receiver. And I think one of the big questions for New England is, are they going to let Matt Light go? Because if they let Matt Light go, that all of a sudden puts a lot of pressure on Sebastian Vollmer opening day for Tom Brady. Jets, though, they've got three wide receivers they got to resign. Which one do they? Uh... Santonio Holmes. He's the guy. I think Santonio Holmes and Brad Smith over uh, Braylon. Braylon Edwards. Uh, the Bills. What do you think? I don't think the Bills are going to be major players. Um, I don't think they really have the great money to be major players. I think the one thing they would like to do if they can. They want to make absolutely sure that uh, that they are in play for, for a guard mm-hmm. or a tackle who can play opening day, a veteran guy. Would not be shocked to see them go hard after Matt Light. Dolphins, they got, that's Henny's team, right, for yeah, the time I th- being? I think it's Henny's team for the time being, but I think that they could definitely look at Hasselbeck and definitely, I think they want to get, serious competition, whether it's Hasselbeck, Bulger, one of those guys for Chad Henney. Last one, the Steelers. I save them for last. Do they dare suspend James Harrison knowing week one is the Baltimore Ravens game? Well, that's a great question. I think that uh, I'd be shocked if Dan and Art Rooney aren't thinking of it. Because it's one thing to be critical of the commissioner, who, by the way, Dan Rooney was his biggest champion, and Dan Rooney... Knocked on his door to tell him he was the new commissioner. Knocked on his door to tell him he was the commissioner. And uh, for one of your players to call him a crook and to call him the devil and to do all these these words that are so far beyond anything you would say to criticize somebody in a position of authority, I'm not saying they will suspend him, but they have to be giving it very serious thought. Give me a circus in Latrobe, that's for sure. Day yep. one, at least there's going to be one. Last question for Vince Young: Where does he go? You know, I keep hearing that the Dolphins are going to have some interest, uh, and I know that the Redskins have looked into him, but I don't think they're going to resign. They're going to sign him. He's a, he's an interesting guy. He seems to be chastened. Um, I, I kind of think, if I had to guess right now, I kind of think it'll be Miami or Buffalo. Because you know that in Buffalo, I, if I were him, those are the two teams of all where I'd want to go. Because they didn't go after a quarterback in, in the draft. Uh, and they have very, very uh, shaky. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say Buffalo is as shaky as, as Miami, but they don't have their quarterback of the future. Peter King. Thanks so much for doing this. That was fun. We went all over the map, and I wouldn't want to, I mean, perfect person to have on post-lockout world. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Peter King on the Rich Eisen podcast, at SI underscore Peter King on Twitter. No, it's, what is it? It's... It's S-I underscore Peter King. Peter King. At at S-I underscore Yeah, you're right. I was wrong. No, there you go. We we spoke for a very long time. It's a very long lockout, too. Right here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Pleased to welcome, in person, the longtime head coach of the Tennessee Titans slash Oilers slash Houston Oilers, and now playing an advisory role with NFL officiating. Thrilled to have Jeff Fisher on the podcast. Good to see you. Good to see you, Rich. You look relaxed. I feel good. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I do. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Somebody said after about two months into it, they mm-hmm. said, you know, you look like you just woke up from a 17-year coma. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, 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 I am. I, it's it's feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah. You know, it, it, the it, wins it, and losses. Yeah. The yeah. daily grind. Yeah. yeah. The alarm clock. The the after midnight phone calls. You know, the, all that stuff. Who's calling so, you after midnight? On occasion, I would get a call from the authorities or something like that. <laughs> yeah, over. And you, you don't yeah. mean the authorities up the flow chart uh, of the Titan no, organization, no, 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 the no. actual authorities, yeah, the actual authorities. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, the, the break has been been uh, very good. Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, we did a Super Bowl event in Disney World. That's right, in Florida at the ESPN Club. At the in ESPN Club in Orlando, ninety-five or six. No, it was ninety-eight. Was it ninety-eight? Nineteen ninety-eight. Oh, well, so it was a year before Super... I went to the. Well, actually, yes. well, it was the ninety-seven season. Oh, okay, actual 97. calendar year ninety-eight. Gotcha. Super Denver. Bowl thirty-two. That's correct. It was Denver and mm-hmm. Green Bay and San Diego. Mm-hmm. That's right. And. Um, I'll never forget you. It was me, you, and Leonard Marshall that were there at right. the boardwalk. Yeah, that's uh, right. At, yeah. at, at uh, the the ESPN Club that's in Orlando. Right. I was My talking. kids are running all over the place. They yeah. didn't want to be there because I think um, somebody was playing. Um, I forget who it was, but there was a young up and coming country female artist that was. Leanne Rimes was there. Wow. Remember that sure. she was there, and all the kids wanted to do was go see Leanne Rimes and you know, instead of hang with us at the ESPN exactly. Club and a bunch of people who that's were right. just chilling out with the. Right. You, so you were only a head coach for. Like three years at that point. Uh, at that time, right? point, yes, uh, right. ninety-five was my first. Yeah, and Leonard Marshall, a giant, great, mm-hmm. uh, and and then there I was. I was on Sports Center, I think, for about a year and a half, and then I was like that guy, that that guy on Sports Center, just sitting there, and and I remember we were we were chatting, we were hitting it off, and uh, and then the end of the game comes, and uh, uh, if you remember, Mike Holmgren basically let. Let Denver score. Right. right. So he could have so enough time left right. to get the ball back. Yeah. And they're driving down the field for the game-tying score. You remember mm-hmm. what I asked mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. I asked you, is there any way, shape, or form Mike Holmgren goes for two points to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> we were hitting yeah. it off, like, oh, yeah, joking the whole time. Yeah. And you, and when I asked you that question, yeah. the head coach and you came over, yeah. you looked at me like, what a dumbass question that it's is, not, basically, it's, what you it's said It's not. It's not. But it's just kind of, I mean, I faced that, you know, I, I had to answer that question after the 99 Super Bowl. You know, had Kevin gotten in the end zone, right. tie the game, or to to there win the game is two, tie the game, kick the kick to the try, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's, that's just one of those deals. You can't you can't deny them an opportunity uh, by a decision that you make. Well, I looked like a genius at a Super Bowl party two years later. I was in uh, downtown Manhattan at a Super Bowl party, watching that game mm-hmm. with you and the Titans going for the game tying score against the Rams. And somebody asked, "Do you think Jeff Fisher?" If they score, would go, we'll for, go two. for two, and I'm like, I could personally attest the yes. fact he will not guarantee it. Go right? for two, yeah. lock it in, yeah. rip That's the right. knob off, because he personally looked at me like I was from Mars yeah. when I asked him two that question ago. two years That's prior right. yeah. to that. How often do you think about that game, Jeff? You know, it's interesting, Rich. I um, um I had not watched it until about a year ago. Um, uh, NFL Films was doing a feature on some of the greatest Super Bowls. And so they came in, they wanted to spend an hour talking about the game. And so I figured it'd be a good idea that I watch it. So I, I didn't yeah. watch it for 10 years. You so, just couldn't? It was too tough? or Yeah, I just, you know, I, I saw it in person. You know, I was there. I saw it in person. But uh, it was interesting to go back and look at the TV copy and then look at the coaching copy and, and look at all the things. There's a lot of things that, that, that I had forgotten after 10 years. I mean, you know, 
missed field goals, blocked field goals. And, you know, the interesting part about that game, and I've I've often made this comment, it was the last Super Bowl where we had one week to prepare. That was the last time. Mm -hmm. Every game since, there's been two weeks between the championship game and the Super Bowl. And that was a challenge in itself because we were on the road. We were on the road at Jacksonville, had to fly back from after a late game in Jacksonville, back to Nashville. Uh, We... we, um, we drove through the stadium. All our fans were there. We paid tribute there. We went and had a team meeting at midnight on Monday or Sunday night, told the players you need to be here by 10 o'clock in the morning with your bags packed because we're flying to Atlanta. So I, I went with the players and left the staff behind mm-hmm. to game plan. So the coaching staff didn't come down till late Tuesday night, and we started practicing Wednesday for a Sunday game. That'll never happen again. It'll never happen again. And then we had the weather. You know, we're practicing on the frozen field at Georgia That's Tech. That's right. And buses, that media buses were sliding yeah, off the road. Yeah. So it was, um, it was, it was a blur. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're back in Nashville, and it was all over. Well, it certainly didn't show up on the field. I'll tell you that. It did. I mean, it was one of the more remarkable Super Bowl games. Yeah, of it was. All you time. Know, and I think people forget we played them in the regular season. You know, we beat him at home. Both teams were four and zero or five and zero. We beat mm-hmm. him at home. So, how often do you think of McNair? How often uh, do you think of Steve? Boy, Jeff? Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rich, um, I called Michelle because it was a two-year anniversary of his death on the Fourth of mm-hmm. July. Right. So, it's um, the Fourth of July will always be a reminder, and um, you know, I miss him. And and uh, you know, it's, it was just a very difficult situation sure. to go through. How is his family? They're doing well. The boys are doing good. They're growing. Um, Tyler's getting tall, playing basketball, and Trent's a little little league player right now, so they're doing good. Good to hear that. Um, I want to talk to you about your your final days with the Tennessee Titans, because I have a lot of questions for you. I had a lot of them. them Okay, here we go. Uh, Well, let's let's start overall, because obviously Vince Young is a central character in all this. I'm going to ask you questions that uh, the general consensus of the media was this, and then you tell me if this is true or not. You had no desire to draft Vince Young, true or false? That's false. That's yeah, false. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had a great deal of interest in his ability, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I, we felt like we could have gone either. We could have won with all three of the quarterbacks, and that would be Jay, Matt, and Vince. Mm-hmm. So you had no problem with his drafting? I didn't have any problem with it, no. Okay. So then what – why – because he, he constantly – his refrain was that you didn't really uh, take him – under your wing and make him feel wanted. That was the general consensus as well, well his well, whole if, tenure there. Yeah, if that's coming from him, then, you know, then there's a there's a misunderstanding because he'll, he'll forget all the things that I did for him like over what? the years. Um, whoa. Um, like um, try to teach him how to be a pro, try to teach him to be on time, um, supportive, very supportive of him during the hard times. Um, helped him work through a lot of issues off the field. Um, I mean, that one incident was obviously the biggest incident, you know, where we we had the situation with, uh, you know, with the potential threat, and the you know, the gun, and then, you know, that six hours. I Couldn't spent, find him. Could not find him. And uh, all those things. So there's that's um, that's not true. I was there. At, I mean, you talked to any of his teammates. I was there for him. So uh, and then another, uh, I guess, widely held belief is you had to go zero and six in order to turn him. That's how bad you didn't want to go to Vince Young again. That's well, how badly 
you refused to put him in the game. Well, I had uh, we won ten straight the year before with Kerry, and, and our zero and six start wasn't wasn't um, it was not the quarterback issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was the, the team issue, injuries and bad 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 breaks and all those kind of things. But um, at that point, yeah, you got to go to the bullpen, and I did because uh, he had won a lot, he's won a lot of games for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and he turned some turned things around. The combination of him and CJ and the little option thing we had and going. You know, we got we we were a game away from being the first team to reach the playoffs, starting zero and six. Right. And, uh, but I was also ten and ten and zero the year, year before. before. Right. And then the next year, uh, your last year there, it, everything started uh, off very well uh, for you and the Titans and Vince. Uh, I mean, some of the comebacks that uh, that he was engineering as well. Uh, and then it just went completely sour. What well, happened? there was injuries. Uh, we were five and two at one point. Right, uh, we lost a couple of games, and then Vince, Vince hurt. Uh, Vince hurts his knee, um, and so Kerry comes in. Vince has got to sit out on his knee or ankle or something, but he had a significant injury, and so Kerry came in, and we just, you know, we couldn't get things going. And then Kerry got hurt. He pulls the calf. Vince tried to come back injured. Got re-injured at San Diego, and then I end up playing with um, you know Rusty Smith for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. And you know when you know bottom line is when you get down with all due respect to Rusty, when you get down to your third quarterback, sure, of yeah, course. Things are going, things no, are I know that, but it seems just things went sour with you and Vince. It seemed like maybe you might have been on the right track. The way the preseason ended, the way the current season was going, it just seemed that you and Vince were on the right track, and then it seemingly again from outside, it right. seemed that everything just. Well, that was, that was his choice, not mine. Uh, I was a little disappointed at some some of the the preparation um, early in the season, and confronted him about it, and and expected him to put more time in, and um, you know, and and that's just it's no different than any other player. I mean, you got a player that needs to work a little harder or get a little better, then you you you, you have the the dialogue, and so we did. And then um, you know, then we had the issue in the Washington game, and that was um, at that point there was you know that that was it for me. Did he not you know, want to go in? Is that what it? Was? No, no, he he wanted going, but he couldn't. He right. couldn't throw. He mm-hmm. he had torn the flexor tendon in his thumb, right. and came back out, tried to throw, and just I mean, he sailed the ball over Randy's head, hit the net, and he threw one in the ground, and he just he couldn't go in, you mm-hmm. know. And so you know, I finished the game with with Rusty, and then for whatever reason, and, and you don't know what goes through people's minds at times, but um, Vince. Um, Vince was struggling in the locker room after the game, or what have you, and, and uh, you know, obviously, what goes on in there is, is between us. But he made some comments that that um, obviously didn't reflect well on him, and uh, and were not ex- were not accepted um, in any way, shape, or form by his teammates. How do you handle that, though? I mean, that's the last thing that you're probably expecting to happen, even even with. The issues that you know that you have with him and vice versa, even with that, I would imagine the last thing, certainly since your son was in the room too, correct? There were, I mean, uh, not, not at that uh, point. That no, was, I mean, everybody was in the room, man. I mean, right, I but mean, even but to but, expect to yeah. expect whatever again, See, we, what we it's been what, widely yeah. reported what he said to you. Yeah. What How happens, do you handle it with all your men around you staring at you? Well, he just he just left, and I shut the door. And you just address it. You address it right there, right then and there. You address it. You knew on the spot. I have to address this right here, of course, right now. Yeah, 
Yeah, you have to. I mean, that's part of our jobs is, is there's things that come up and, and you have to be able to address them um, immediately. And you've got to be able to put words uh, together that make sense that address the situation. And I did. I just said, you know, it's, that's enough. Moving yeah. forward, what do you think? For him, yes. um, I hope he gets an opportunity here. I mean, we hope things get settled here so he yeah, can yeah. get an opportunity. I mean, the organization made it clear he won't be returning. Um, as soon as the deal's done, then, you know, um, the formality of him being released will probably take place or mm-hmm. traded, I guess. I don't know. Right. And I hope he gets a chance. He's a he's a tremendously talented young man, and he's a, a very likable person. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's won a lot of games, and uh, he's gone, taken a team to playoffs, I think, two years. And so I hope he gets an opportunity someplace. It, it, most likely will be as a two someplace. Right. And then, you know, I hope he's learned from this experience because he's got he's got a lot of football ahead of him. He's, a, as I said, a tremendously talented young man. And yet despite all this, it seemed that you were all set to come back for one more year, right? Is this, this, it just seemed that you were all settled, that you'd spoken to your, your to, to Mr. Adams and Well, they said, yeah, they made like, a decision. Right. They made, it was, yeah, it, I could not... I could not come back and coach with Vince being the quarterback mm-hmm. or being on the roster. And so they made that decision, which, which right. was fine. And then, you know what? Um, I made myself two promises um, once as a player um, before I started started playing the Bears. I had a short career in Chicago. But uh, I promised myself that if at, at any point during my playing career I was at risk to being able to do things later in life physically, then I was going to walk away. And I did after the 85 season. Um, I'd had a few surgeries and ankle surgeries. And, you know, it was just I wanted to do something. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro a month ago, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, again, I may not have had the opportunity to play a couple more years. I might not have been good enough. But anyway, it was time physically to leave the game. Well, I also made the commitment to myself that if there's ever a morning where I woke up uh, and didn't look forward to going to work as a coach, that uh, I would get out. And that's what happened. That you will, which day? Uh, it was, was just it? one of those days, late January. Late yeah, January. Late January. Was it was, was it just it what was, was just it? a combination of things, Rich? It was time. You know, you just get a sense and a feel that the alarm clock goes off. I mean, I'm just trying to get the yeah, actual yeah, picture no, of the actual just, epiphany uh, moment. That was that was it. It was just time to time to take a deep breath and and rest up and uh, you know just see and see what happens. I mean, right now, I'm, shit, I'll look you in and say, you know what, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to get back into it mm-hmm. next January, if, I, if at all possible, because I, I'm rested and feel good. And, you know, I'm passionate about it, and I'm, I'm, I'm already missed the sideline. But um, So you, know, you, are, just, you are ready to do that? Yeah, yeah. Next January? Well, whenever. I mean, you know how those Whenever, right, right. Yeah. But if, so you're... you're if the opportunity's right. You're already, you're, you're, your batteries are recharged already. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. No, I could, I'll take advantage of the next, you know, the next month or two or three. I'm, right now, I've never seen I've never seen Montana between the the months of July <laughs> and February. So I want to go see, spend some time up there. And you know, my youngest is um, an Auburn Tiger. I'm gonna watch them play and uh, watch 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 Auburn football this fall and mm-hmm. follow them around the SEC. And then, uh, but next January, when usually things happen, obviously the day after the regular season is done, phone rings. You and your representatives are eager to pick it up. Not necessarily. I mean, it has to be the right. Oh, of course, people, no, I understand. Um, but yeah, you're but you're you're ready to happens. listen to, yeah, to yeah, we'll get back out there and yeah. and get and, yeah. and get back into the window because you look really refreshed and tanned and relaxed. I, I, and I, I mean, feel good. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. And and in the meantime, the advisory role. 
with NFL officiating. Yeah, What's you know, um, I've been on the Comptis Committee for yes. since uh, 2000, and um, I was very fortunate that I was t- typically when a committee members no longer associated with the club, there's mm-hmm. a, a change and there's a replacement process that takes place. Well, they asked if I would be interested in continuing my role with them, so I did. <clears throat> I was a non-voting, non-voting member. I didn't vote on any issues. Right. Voice my opinion here, and um, I did not participate at the annual meetings for obvious reasons. But uh, I've sta- stayed involved with that, and they they asked me if I could uh, would would mind doing some things um, as far as their, things that relate to the fishing department. So I said sure. So are you? So you, Carl Johnson, who is the vice president of Correct. officiating, uh, I, I'm just trying to, for a fan's point of view, something happens during the season, and he's got to make a call. You, he's going to. Call no, you up no, as, as no, someone as a help, or what? Th- is- no, no. I think I think what I'm going to do is just kind of look at what's what's taking place there. I've spent a lot of time already this spring, mm-hmm. uh, and um, see if I can kind of help uh, in some areas as it relates to, uh, and, and maybe bringing the, the, the coaches closer to the, and the officiating department closer together. Uh, you know, I might be, you know, liaison between the coaches and, you know, lend a coaching perspective to that in which they're doing. I see. Because Pereira, mm-hmm. in the years that I dealt with him on Total Access, you know, uh, f- first time or first year we did the, the segment where he would review all the controversial mm-hmm. plays. Right. We did it on a Monday. Yeah. Boom. Right as soon as the weekend was over, mm-hmm. Monday, it was the first year out. Next year, we get the call from the league office. Yeah. You might not see Mike for a few yeah. days. I mean, because right. cause he was getting calls from coaches. Right. Usually Mondays, Tuesdays, the days that coaches right. call up and go basically... What, what what was that all about? Yeah, essentially. Right. Well, yeah, right? there's I mean, a there's a there's a lot of interaction over the, over those first three days of the week regarding right. what happened or what didn't happen in, in the game and why. So now and, maybe Andy Reid will pick up the phone and call you as uh, opposed to Carl. Possibly, is that, I don't okay. know. We're still kind of we're still kind of easing into this thing. Okay, so of course, I, sure. I don't have uh, in this. We're just beginning but, to realize there's an actual season, let yeah, alone yeah, what, what your right. role that's is good. going yeah, to be. Yeah, I'm glad we're going to have a season. Right. I, I um, you know, we'll just there's you know there's. There's a lot of things that take place in coaching um, that I think if the officiating department, not not just this, the department, but the officials were aware of it. Can you give me a for instance? Um, yeah, just a, just an example. Um, a defensive pass interference uh, when the defender doesn't try to find the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's not playing. They say he's not playing the ball. Right. Uh, and there's contact beforehand. There's going to be a foul call, okay, because he's not playing the ball. And then, of course, you have the incidental contact contact and things. But what happens is most defensive players are taught to, um, if you're within five yards Mm -hmm. or closer to the sideline and you're not playing a deep ball, it's okay to look back or up for the ball. But if you're further than five yards on a deep ball, you must play through the receiver because if you turn your shoulders, there'll be separation and he'll catch the ball, step out of bounds, you know, those kind of things. So deep, deep officials sometimes are wondering, why is he not Playing, why he's not playing the football? Mm-hmm. Well, he he can't, he's not in position to do that. He's got to strip the hands or what have you. So you and think the flag shouldn't be thrown in those instances? No, I'm not saying that. I'm okay. just saying explaining to them why why this defender's not playing the football uh-huh. or playing and, and and why he's playing the man. And there's contact and there's a foul. But the reality is, is most teams have a red line painted on their practice field, and that red line's five yards from the sideline, and that's the indicator that tells the receivers. On the deep ball, that's you don't go any further outside unless mm-hmm. you're forced outside. But and and that's the that's the breakoff point where the guys will either play the man or play the ball. 
And so, you know, guys, we're, we're, coaches are teaching some things like that. So you're teaching again. I'm just trying to figure out what the end game is. You're just just educating the official, educating or the, the and official. then there'll be less less penalties. Well, not less penalties, but just they'll understand why this why he's using this technique. Okay, and why he's not turns just freely turning back and looking for the ball, making them a better yeah. official in that right. respect. Correct. I see. Uh, now Pereira's already coming. You know, he's got a column now. Yeah, I mean, he's blogging. Oh, I mean, Pereira's uh, yeah, blogging. Sure he's, you know, I mean, he's yeah. Fox. This Fox. He's got his own room. You know, I mean, he's 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 Mister Fox now. He's blogging. Uh, he wrote a column this this week saying that the new rule about instant replay on scoring plays in the end zone coming from the booth it's going to extend the game, going to make it longer, and that's a problem. I don't have a problem with it. By uh, the way. I don't think uh, you know. Well, you know, it's hard to disagree with Mike because Mike is. I mean, Mike knows what he's, he's talking been there about. and done it, of course. And, and, but anyway, I don't. I don't. But think it's also so. it was also my job to yeah, disagree with him for seven right. years. That's, that's so right. I'm, you I'm, did that I'm a little well, bit free. Thank too. you. Yeah. I feel free to do that. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I don't know if it's going to extend a game. Basically, the the replay assistant is going to has got to confirm a score. That's all. And which most, is most, right, right? I mean, what's yeah, more I crucial in a scoring play? Ball crosses the end zone. There's nothing involved in the play. Then. And it's not a coach's challenge. That's important. Cannot challenge the play if the play results in a score. So, because the booth is going to take care of it. That's right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I do too. But we might be sitting around waiting for an extra point, but I don't care. I mean, it's important. If it's close, if it's close, he'll try to confirm it. If he can't confirm it, then he's going to, he's going to, he'll page the official and go under the hood and and just like they do inside of two minutes on most most all the plays. I think there should be more plays reviewed. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've gone with you on this front. Now, what, for example, you want to, for example, Yes, helmet to helmet, Jeff. Helmet to helmet is so quick. It is so fast. And the officials are correctly erring on the side of caution because of how how dangerous these collisions can be in terms of somebody's health moving forward. But how many times do you see a helmet strike a shoulder pad? Or how many times do you see a shoulder pad being struck by another shoulder and the official just in a split Second, bat of an eye, calls helmet to helmet. That's 15 yards. It's a first down. Why not There's make a, that reviewable? There are a few instances like that that take place. But I will tell you, I've looked at a lot of tape where you can slow it down and look at what the, I mean, uh, frame by frame by frame mm-hmm. and and still not be able to tell whether it's helmet to helmet contact or not. So, so that's why you're not reviewing well, it? Well, no. I mean, uh, uh, we're, we're not going to. This this system was designed to correct an obvious error, and it was not designed to um, deal with penalties. There's only a couple instances where we deal with penalties. One is too many too men, many men on the field. field. Sure, oh, yeah, right. That's it. So uh, we're just. I, I don't think we'll ever get there. You want to slow the game down? I, mean, I don't want to slow the but, game down. I, mean, I want to make. But... I want to make sure that we we uh, we we took a look last year. If there's ever um, a play of any f- play in a, in a drive, 15 yards or more. Uh, about 60% of those drives, just even if you complete a, a second or a third down of 10 or more yards, mm-hmm. will result in a score. Right. So if you're giving somebody 15 yards, it's third down, throw it over the middle, boom, somebody hits a helmet, and it's, it's incomplete, and right. he doesn't really hit a helmet. Right. And that team continues on down the field. Well, that's a, crucial. That, to me, that's like a scoring well, play. Well, it's the same with defensive pass interference. Same thing. Well, I don't want to do that because now yeah. we're going a little crazy. Okay. Well, but because we that's because that because that's at least a gray area. To me, this is not a gray area. Either the helmets collided or it didn't. The well, helmets some, con- yeah, contacted but, but or did it the, didn't. Did the contact start in the chest and then go up into the chin area? Is that still helmet to helmet? Yeah. 
I mean, it, you know, that's that's what I'm saying. You can right. look at things and right. and and still not be able to tell whether or not that you know that there was contact helmet to helmet, it was shoulder to helmet, and right. what have you. I'm I'm a 42 year old man uh, knocking on wood, uh, healthy 42 year old man. Will I live to see the day that the tuck rule is removed from this game? No. Why? I don't think so. Why? Are you, are you saying oh, just hold on to on, it? Oh man, just just hang Jeff, on to it, Jeff. I mean, to me, you probably will. Oh, I'll make that. Be. I'll make that a. How do I get this done? Because um, to me, if you are tucking the football, you are clearly no longer intending to pass it. Correct. Mm-hmm. If you're tucking it, I'm going to throw up. No, I'm tucking it. Clearly, right. I'm not. So that means you are no longer a passer, and therefore, if you are hit, you're a runner. It's a fumble. Am I wrong? Uh, it makes sense. Okay, no, it makes sense. But yeah. Pereira always said to me, "Ah, it removes the gray area." I'm like, "What are you talking?" I mean, to me, it's 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 simple. If Tom Brady. And I, and I know Raider fans will love me for this, even though I, you know, can't go back in time. But Tom Brady was clearly no longer intending to throw it. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So why? So, so why? I, why are we protecting him as still calling him a passer? What's what is at least the the concept behind that rule? Um, you know, it's hard. You may have to ask Mike Pereira on that. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily a fan of the rule myself. Oh, okay. But, See. Yeah. So oh, okay. You're an advocate. So yeah. can we can we combine forces? I mean, here? you're either throwing you're either throwing yes. a forward pass or you're not. Yeah. It's either A or B, yeah. right? Correct. Either you're throwing or you're yeah. not throwing. Yeah. So you and I, okay, because I we're thought... We're on the same page. Oh, no. we're on the same page. Yeah, that doesn't mean to say the rule's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, you're an advisor. I mean, you're you're a longtime head yeah, coach yeah. who's clearly got the itch still. Maybe not yet. You want to see Montana. I get it. Mm-hmm. But, you you know, you can, you're going to be back in a position of hopefully they'll restore you to your your competition committee chair or co-chair mm-hmm. with Rich McKay. Um, and that that's it. That, and that's it. We'll and, and, we, and, and, and we, you and I can combine. For, I, I'm telling you, I, we can get this done. Okay. And then one, one last thing, too, okay. that I want to get done. Yeah. I want to get done uh, the phone calls from coaches to prospects at the draft before the commissioner announces the name. I got it. We got to get that out. Oh, I see. It tips the picks to people yeah. at home. It's a tele. It's a TV thing. It's a TV thing. Yeah. But well, you're you're going to be in the media this year, I think, a little n- bit, right? Probably not. But no. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a little unusual. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. But would you have a problem with that as a, as a coach that you're not able to make that phone call to your well, prospect? Because I've been yeah, told, I, I would. Ha- yeah. Why? Uh, well, where you know, where is he? Okay, is he in New York? Okay, we know these guys are in New York, but there are some guys who are. I mean, no, he's not. Like, I'll okay. say for purposes of right, your argument, right. he is not in New York City. Okay. Is he okay? Okay, did he fall down the stairs last night? Okay, did he get arrested? Um, do you ask this question of the people uh, when you speak there, them on the phone? Are, did you did, did you get arrested that, last no, night? Did you? No, no okay. but there's questions. I mean, there, that's, that's happened before. Happened the Rams back in the in the early '90s, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, the big thing is just to find out if they're, if they're okay. You know, I mean, that's that's been the tradition: is get the prospect oh, on the phone. Man. How you doing? And hey, it's so and so. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Yes, sir. Well, guess what? We just drafted you. We're going to put your name in here in a couple of minutes. Congratulations! And then, you know, you can hear him. You can hear everybody in the living yeah. room going nuts. Andy yeah. Reid said basically he wants to make sure that the kid's still alive. That yeah, he that's basically just. Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, yeah. uh, essentially, like we should put a mirror in front of him to make yeah. sure he's still breathing. That's yeah. the, that's the essence of this phone call, just yeah. to make sure he's okay. Yeah. But no, to me, you know, it's just like it. It the commit this year, Marcel Darius in New York City was getting up and putting on his coat mm-hmm. as the commissioner was saying, with the th- with the third overall pick, the Buffalo Bills select. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's a yeah. problem. 
So in other words, you're telling me I should get this thing done quickly before you're back in the coaching room. Yeah, I would I would suggest you do that. Yeah, there's got to be some way. Can't you use some kind of don't you use delays in your business? No, I, I, because yeah. most of these things, most of the big prospects are on camera. Yeah, we're getting, we're either in their living rooms or we're in the we're backstage with them. And and fans are getting really ticked off because mm. we're showing these kids on the phone, and it's clear that who's going to be picked next. Yeah, putting their Bronco hat yeah, on. Yeah, something like that. There. Exactly. Yeah. You have no sympathy. No sympathy. I can say, so we're yeah. back to sort of where yeah. we started. We're I thought back. we're back to the I'll ESPN the club thing. right now. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I'll do the, try to do the tug thing for you, but I can't do that. Good to see can't you. Can't help it. You too. Thanks. That's, That's Thank Jeff you, Fisher, NFL advisor, uh, coach in waiting, sort of here on NFL's. Uh, media's Rich Eisen podcast. This is neat stuff. I could not be more excited to have on the Rich Eisen podcast right now. Uh, a uh, three-time Emmy Award winning actor, three years in a row from Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you again, pal. I love that show. And uh, that scene, in, in many ways, it's not... We, we just show it just because it was one of the only few clips we could get from <laughs> Sony. But uh, it, it, it sort of perfectly captures... A lot about your character, Walter White, on that show, because uh, you're 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 fumbling with a gun. You're not clearly very, <laughs> very uh, good with it. Expert handling fire with a weapon. No. You're speaking to your ex-wife on the phone, who clearly has no clue that you're handling a weapon on no. the other end of the line, and you're trying to basically fump for your way through this and keep it all together, right? And many times Walter White has a very difficult time oh. doing that. But ultimately, <laughs> you just keep floating along. He's a troubled guy. Yeah, he's talking about don't leave the message that we're we're buying a car wash. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but he's he's trying to think three, four steps down the road and, and sometimes misses. And nobody has any clue how many levels... Walter White is thinking on at this point in time and not even he understands how many more levels he may have to be thinking in the next scene or the next moment or right. the next day of his life. It's exactly right because he doesn't know he's going to survive the next moment of his life so he's he's got to think quickly and uh, what he's doing now is that Walt is is you know, to to grab a a, a football term, he mm-hmm. the best <laughs> best defense is a good offense. <laughs> That's right. And so he's going after Gus as opposed to waiting for him to come after me. Because I I think I think guys can relate to that. Especially mm-hmm. my wife was saying, why would he go out and get a gun? Why is he trying to stalk him? Right. Why didn't you just protect himself? And I go. I don't think anybody wants to have to look over their shoulder constantly and, and get paranoid about mm-hmm. when the person's going to show up at your door. So he's going to be proactive and go after him if and, he can. And for those who are somewhat new to Breaking Bad, season four just debuted last Sunday. Right. Uh, episode two is coming up uh, on the final Sunday of uh, of this month. And so you've got basically... Uh, a character who is a, a chemistry teacher. Yeah. Uh, a regular, ordinary chemistry teacher. He was an ordinary guy four years ago. Four, four years ago, but only a year in our storytelling. Right. He was a high school chemistry teacher, a, a milk toast kind of simple guy, mm-hmm. and had a little pudgy, gone to seed a little bit, a little depressed from missed opportunities in his life. A very relatable, sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. He has to have two jobs, um, not only teaching, but working at a, at a car wash in order to pay for the physical therapy that his son with um, CP has. Mm-hmm. And he has a, a, a baby on the way. And so he's got some troubles, but he's 
you know, dealing with it as best mm-hmm. he can. And then he finds out he's got terminal lung cancer. Hello. <laughs> and of course, that's what makes it a comedy. Uh, <laughs> right. So he, he uh, after being, you know, sucker punched, he realizes he doesn't want to go out that way. What man wants to leave a legacy of of destitution for his family? And also he knows his body is going to wither away. He's got two years. Right. And his wife will empty his bedpan and wipe his drool, and then he'll still die on them. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're going to remember. So he thought, you know what? I, I'm at least going to make the, the one risky, bold move in my entire adult life. I'm going to use my chemistry background, cook crystal meth, <laughs> make as much money as I can, give it to my family, and then die. I'm going to be selfish for the first time in my life. And 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 just, again, from a, a point of view, from just an outsider's point of view, when you hear that sort of logic, okay, that, <laughs> sure, that it's a ridiculous leap to go from that to meth, but the concept of being you want to leave your family in a better way, shape, or form, right. that makes sense. So the logic sort of it tracks. makes, it tracks. Yeah, it does. And then the thing that I don't know if Walter White realized when he was hatching this is there might be a few bumps along the way there might be a, a few curveballs there might be a couple of uh, un, unforeseen uh detours that may occur well i think in this logic i think this is a, a morality tale in the say in the sense that we need to be and live within yes. who we really are morally ethically and Walter White changes that dynamic. He goes beyond where he lives. Mm-hmm. And for his 50 years, he's never been that guy. He never got a traffic ticket, let alone become a criminal. So he changed. And there's a penalty for that. You can't change who you are. And if you, on an impulse, decide to do something bold and outrageous, uh, there's a price to be paid for that. Right. And w- at what point do you think he realized... Um, that he had broken bad. Uh, do you, can you can you pinpoint on his the arc of his character? I I, I sort of just thinking in my own mind of, of watching the show sometimes twice because the, you miss some things the yeah. first time through. I remember uh, Walter's son was being picked on in a clothing store. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and your character walked out of the store, came back in, and kicked somebody's ass. Yeah. That was the first a much bigger, right? Much bigger kid, right? <laughs> and it was totally out of character. And your 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 wife's character at the time, and your son's character at the time. Whoa, where did that one come from? Yeah, uh, that was maybe the first instance where where your character stepped well, I, out. But where do you think your character officially? Broke I think bad? well, Brian, looking at it objectively, yes. I think he broke bad in that first pilot episode when mm-hmm. he decided to go outside of who he really is and become someone he's not. And he thought, well, I can justify this by saying I'm providing for my family and I'm going to be dead in a year and a half, two years. So I'm just going to do this. Right. And and that'll happen. Now, the the side there's side benefits and side detriments to this. The side benefits is that it empowers someone when you do something that is bold and righteous and mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It empowers you, you as feel a person. Good. If you feel great. Right. There's also the negative side. The, that um, that we're exploring now, which is not just that he's a criminal, but what it, what does it do to the person's psyche? What does it do to his emotional core? So we're dealing with with his uh, greed now, mm-hmm. and that and the fact that he wants credit. Before he was just thinking, no, I just I just want to make this money for my family and die. Right. 
But he was seduced by the power of of this, the power and the money and 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 he's never felt that before in his life, and he was completely and utterly seduced. So, do you think? Do you think he's a bad guy? Do you play him as a bad guy, Walter? No. Why? Because I mean, because he he, you know, he he clearly started as just a regular Joe. Yeah. But the things that he's doing now, I don't want to give away too much for people who might be a season or two behind. The things that he's doing now. Yeah, uh, you know, it just it, he keeps the line keeps getting the the line in the sand keeps getting crossed out right. and then crossed over exactly. again. It keeps getting further and further away from sanity. It well, that's like. the, that's the amazing part about this show is the moral ambiguity is forever changing. It is like it's in sand because the wind comes up and it it blows that line away, mm-hmm. and now there's a new line. But I think objectively, yeah, he broke bad in the first episode when he decided to just become that a criminal. first moment yeah decided to become a criminal that's the that that was the time that was the moment he broke bad now me playing him yes i can't play him that way i can't play him with that kind of judgment i don't want to hold that judgment so in order for him to do what he does i need to step in his shoes and play that parlor game that we've all asked ourselves at any dinner party from right. time to time mm-hmm. and that is what would you do for a million dollars what would you be willing to do and and everybody's answer around the table will be a little different. And everybody's number might be a little different. Well, let's say it's not a million dollars. Let me say this. If you went around and asked somebody, what what would it cost me mm-hmm. to punch you in the face? <laughs> Some people would never do it. Some people would say, well, what, what do you mean? What, I'll give you $5,000. Oh, have your shot. Right. You know? <laughs> like, others will know it will hold out. But then, right. we're, then we're just negotiating. Mm-hmm. Then they've already agreed. Now we're just talking about how much. Mm-hmm. So what I've discovered in playing Walter White is that even the meekest, most honorable person can have a, an Achilles heel. If you find the right items, like in Walter's case, right. it was threatening to, to leave his family destitute. It was the fact that he was absolutely at the lowest possible ebb of his life. Mm-hmm. And he found a justification in doing what he's doing for that. Right. But it's he's now reached a point where his family is not going to be destitute. I mean, he's got a certain... He's, the, the, the nest right. egg's there. It's hidden in some wall or wherever it is. Yeah. But now, I mean, this thing is spun so completely out of control that I, it seems to have consumed him. It has. And he's so that's the whole question of people. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. There, there are websites. There are there are articles being written ad nauseum now. Yeah. About whether or not. Thank you for the ad nauseum. No, no, but I, I mean, uh, no, 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 no. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the literal term. I don't know Latin or whatever language it is. But uh, it just seems there. It's being written about a lot yeah. uh, about whether or not your character's really a good guy or not. And I, I, objectively, so, he can't be. He's not a good guy. He can't be a good guy. No, and and that was the premise right from the beginning. We're going to take a good guy, right. a Mr. Chips, right. and we're going to turn him into a bad guy, Scarface. Mm-hmm. And right now on that spectrum, I'm way past the point of no return, and I'm That's much it. closer to Scarface than anything else. Is he more comfortable being Scarface right now? I think he's finding his comfort zone. I think, uh, like in last season, it felt to me when people had, what's this season about? I think last season was about finding... Um, a way to get comfortable with his criminality, embracing it so that he can survive. He had to get smarter. He had to start thinking like a criminal Mm -hmm. or else you're not going to survive. It's the business he's now in. Sure. 
in any business, you have to. There's a learning curve, but you better damn well learn it quickly. Well, in the NFL, you get hurt if you're if you think about getting hurt. If you, if you think, think about, about, if you're about gonna getting be playing, hurt, I'm going to play. I'm going to play tentatively. That's why so many people were so upset last year with rules changes about being, you know, being using hit. helmet and all that sort yeah. of thing. Is that you, by telling somebody in the middle of a season you can't hit this yeah. way? They're going to get hurt. And I can see someone, a, a, a defensive back coming up and about mm-hmm. to take out a guy and go, oh, wait, I can't hit him. i got to hit lower. Right. And it could adjust your psyche and, and how you approach that. Right. So, because uh, to me, though, it seems that you are still playing him in a way where it looks like he he's not desensitized to the violence that he is bringing about by his decisions. I right. mean, he is... He is he is. Rem- it seems there's just a little bit of remorse. Certainly, Absolutely. and again, I don't want to give away too much from what yeah. the first uh, uh, episode of the first season. But the, the look on your face as you're walking away, the last shot of the episode, it looks like you are still in shock about what just played out. What I think is is most interesting is that when you play a bad guy, yeah. you don't play the mustache twirling guy from the comic books. <laughs> right. I believe that that it's not mutually exclusive to have someone kill someone right. and then go home and caress and be gentle with your baby daughter. <laughs> I, th- I think it's possible. I think mm-hmm. it's humanly possible to be able to, to have that dichotomy in someone's uh, being. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that to me is what makes it scarier that if he was just all pure evil, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, he's pure evil. And that's where he is. He's Hitler. He's the devil. He's right. whatever. But uh, and I even think you take Hitler, you think, what, you know, maybe there was an aspect, some little thing about him. He's that, a great painter, apparently. Yeah, whatever yeah. that that you know <laughs> right. that was sensitive in some regard. But I think it's, it makes for a more interesting character, certainly to play, and I think more interesting to watch to have those multitudes of dynamics playing all at the same time. Right. Not that he finds great joy in killing, mm-hmm. but that he has great upset and and and, and reluctance and, and again grief. It, it's just it's, it, the 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 scenarios in which your character finds himself and the scenarios in which other characters find themselves because of the the decisions made by your character it's just it's one scene after another that i've 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 sat there watching it and it hits the commercial break and i just go Whoa. <laughs> and I'm wondering what your yeah. reaction is when you get a script for the first time. Do you have a similar reaction? I definitely re- have a whoa reaction. Uh, it is it is one of those shows that it is like opening a present every week mm-hmm. because I get to be involved in it. And so I don't read the script. When we're in production shooting, I don't read too far in advance for many reasons. Number one is that I don't want knowledge of where the story is going. Sure to influence what I'm doing right now, the episode we're shooting. And it can, and we're talking nuance changes, so I don't want to have that. Um, so how far in advance are you when you read? Just know? one script. That's it. Yeah, just You're one. literally one game at a time. Yeah, I, I, I read uh, a script about a week before we start shooting it, and if I have any issues with it, I'll bring it up then. Uh, normally there aren't. And and I start to slowly, you know, absorb that content as I'm finishing up one episode. Then I start to bring the next one in, mm-hmm. almost like a relay handoff. You know, you start sure. running before you get it. Mm-hmm. So you're just one at a time. Yeah. And then and then after a scene, sometimes do you need to I, again? I don't press. Yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> again, just why I I feel the need sometimes after watching an entire episode 
to take a shower. No, not, <laughs> not not to wash it off of me physically, but I do need I do need a minute. I do need a minute to soak in what I've just seen because some of the some of the some of the things are disturbing. Yeah, and not just disturbing visually, but it's disturbing because I want to like your character so much, you know, and I and I still do. Why? Because it seems to me again that the situation started with an awful. Yeah, deal of the cards. It did with with terminal cancer. It did. Now, and then, how much sympathy are, are we supposed to give to that sort of person? Well, at this point in time, you you your character's in remission, right? And you've already accrued the wealth to leave behind should right. this thing horribly return, right? Now, and remission, now we're, of course, is simply that it hasn't it uh, hasn't uh, advanced. advanced, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm the still, still two years. Still, okay. Yeah. I'm just for the plot point, I got to yeah. keep that in the head. Yeah, there. It okay, does. good. So it's just, but I do want to, I do want to like your, I want, I want your guy to succeed. I want him to win. I don't want him to lose in these horrible showdowns in which he finds himself in either chicken restaurants or yeah. or, or underneath laundromats. <laughs> it just, it just, I, I want you to win, and it's just, it. I find myself conflicted as a viewer. Seriously, I mean, it's, it, I take this sort of stuff seriously. I don't know if you could tell. Well, and, and, I, I do, and. I appreciate that. And this is exactly what any show would want to have that kind of discussion and disagreement. And Breaking Bad really is more of a a sociological experiment Mm -hmm. because we are asking an audience to come with us from the good to the bad. Right. And people are marching. And as they march toward the bad, they're resisting and their heels are dragging yet right. some, but then they go. It's like, kind of like passing by an accident. You know, if you look, you know, you might see something horrible. Right. But you look. Everybody slows you down. You look. The rubbernecking's on. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it, this has never been done before. We, uh, a television show has never asked an audience to follow a character that goes from good to bad. Deep and into to, a hole, And too. so in in my objective viewpoint is to not worry about whether the audience continues to like me. A lot of them have already turned, but they're watching the show from different perspectives. My my job is to perform this character honestly, is to be true to who he is and full of his emotional capa- uh, capabilities. And who he is is bad. Deep down, he's a bad guy. You well, really, I mean, because again, he he really cares for his son. He really doesn't want anything to happen to his family. A lot of these things are, that he does is still born out of helping his family. Yeah. Uh, but and that's what makes it so so hard to, to I know I'm, to root for. And then yet you 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 go, what well, he's doing that and that's good, but then he's doing that and that's horrible. That's horrible. The push and pull. So the drama right. is actually we've implanted the drama inside <laughs> every audience member. And again, it's just it's it's dark. It's deep. It's some of the most disturbing stuff I've seen. And it's it's great. And you are uh, superb at it, which uh, leads me to this quote from uh, I assume you saw this from the Sunday New York Times uh, article that was written on your show. I should have dog-eared the page. I saw it. I thought you were just getting bored with our conversation. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm thumbing through. I'm reading, read. I want to read about the FDIC <laughs> right now or whatever is going on. Here we go. Uh, your co-star, Anna Gunn, yeah. who plays your wife. Yeah. She's uh, again, so you're, you're deep. You're dark. You're, this is a, the set. Gotta, it's got to be. It's, it's, it's intense to see. I imagine it's very intense on the set. Uh, she describes you, Brian Cranston, as, quote, a kid trapped in a man's body. Who says, yes, well, wow, I don't know if there's an actual child inside of you. Shut up. 
<laughs> I'm talking now. <laughs> You're a kid trapped in a man's body. Uh, and she says that she has never seen an adult more amused by stuffing fruit down his pants. You agree well, with she that hasn't assessment? been around locker rooms, apparently. <laughs> um, Is that a true assessment well, of, of who you are, Brian? Not listen, to get too deep here, but fruit, we are talking fruit about... Fruit in the pants is a pretty funny thing. <laughs> it's an odd place to, to oh, hold I, fruit. I, I'm, but... not, I'm not... Um, I'm not um, yes, uh, at all. No, I'm not. By the way, I, I don't poo-poo, but I, I also don't discount now, the humor of fruit in the That's in the same pants. region, but... Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> so, so, is that... Is that uh... No, you know what it is? What it is, is um, sure, What is that? Uh, I, I, I take responsibility being the, the lead actor on this show, and, and mm-hmm. as, as Malcolm in the Middle, uh, right. you want to set an example. You want to have a good working environment. Sure. I think the the biggest misunderstanding from the civilian population, if I can use that term, Please. would be that um, that we don't work really hard. Mm-hmm. That they a lot of people they see the finished product, it's glossy, and then they read us about about us in magazines. They see us on talk shows, mm-hmm. on on podcasts. With I mean, when I came in here, they said, "Do you want a mani pedi?" And I went, "Oh, it's fantastic!" <laughs> yes. the, all the all the extras, all the luxuries that celebrities get, mm-hmm. and they. See See us on the red carpet and, and doing films, and it is a great uh, life. We are uh, blessed. We all should very be very happy. Everybody yes. working in this building uh, well, we should be very happy that we have these jobs yes. because they're great jobs and they're fun. That doesn't mean you don't work hard. And we we work when we work. We're working twelve to fourteen, fifteen hours a day. And sometimes at the end of the week, and you got to get a shot, and you're on your sixteenth hour now or something, mm-hmm. and and the crew is dragging, and the actors are sl- uh, slogging through something, and the energy is really low. I will always look for something to do that may just shake things up. So, uh, in the midst of this one hundred and thirty some odd day NFL lockout. Yeah. What I should have done and the darkest points when the league and the players are going at each other and they're not agreeing, I should have just stuck some kiwi down the shorts and then yeah. and then yes. and then it, I didn't All even as well. think about <laughs> I didn't even think of that. It's it's I the, didn't even it never crossed my mind. It's a universal <laughs> panacea. That's well known, well documented. No kidding. Right here. It says I right mean, here. It's in the, in the New, New York, York Times. New York Times, Sunday magazine, too. Right. I mean, it's gotta be true. All the news that's fit to print. So you're right so that's so you're just busting up the crew and you know, and you just try, I, trying to I, do that. you know, and I, uh, I there was a scene I had with Aaron Paul who plays uh, Jesse Genius. once and he won the uh, Emmy last year. Yeah, I know. He's Genius. he's a great young actor and he's a good kid. Um and we're and we're one of those things again, and it's like we're we're dragging, we gotta get this shot done. And uh, so I go to my prop department and I say, look, uh, do you have something a little handy? I can. And I told them what I, what I wanted. And they said, I, I, I have something better. And they brought me something. I said, perfect. So the scene is I go in there and I said, uh, Jesse, you remember when I told you I want you to handle it? And he goes, yeah. And I pull out a gun and I put it on the counter. I go, then handle it. And that's like ominous. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And so remember when I told you I wanted you to handle it? He goes, yeah. And I reach into my pie, I pull out a, a dildo squirt gun, <laughs> and I start squirting, then handle it. 
<laughs> just you know, it just it just released. I just happened to have it at home. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. Uh, it, who had somebody had that in New Mexico? Somebody just had exactly. that hanging out in New Mexico. Well, it said, "Mate," it said, "Visit New Mexico," <laughs> right on the shaft. Can we say that on the podcast? You know, okay, I, yes, we We're just good? got the thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs? yeah but right. he he. Wait a minute, you were in a Holiday Inn Express last night. You don't even work here. Wait a minute, what is, who is this person? <laughs> is it? uh, but he looks Roth. refreshed. He's yeah, he does look refreshed. He does. Uh, so, has there ever been? a scene that that was deemed too much has there ever been something that you well know, we can't do that even on a show where that's breaking you bad mean, and boundaries you know not goofing around but no not goofing no, around but, but so, well there was a, 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 a seminal scene in in near the end of season two when uh uh, Jane and Jesse, Je- Jesse's girlfriend Jane, yes. uh, she got him into heroin, and she's uh, extorting money from me right. to expose my story unless I give them money. And I go to their house, and I find that they're wasted and strung out on heroin. They're passed out, and it was established early on that I understood also because of my newborn baby to keep them on their side and not on their back. Mm-hmm. And in the scene. Um, Jane actually is on her back. She chokes in her own vomit. Just a Great lovely, show. lovely thing. I know. Yeah, I remember. And and Walter White is there. Well, the first version of that was that um, Walter puts a caressing hand on her shoulder mm-hmm. as a as an older man to a girl mm-hmm. like this is someone's daughter. This right, young yeah, yeah. girl lost her way, and he pushes her on her back so that she will die and i read that and went ah because this is only second season right and uh amc read that and went ah you know and so everybody's like freaking out and so they talked about it and vince wanted to have it vince gilligan our creator and then in conversations realized that maybe on that spectrum of Mm -hmm. going from good to bad maybe that was Jumping a little too fast. Yeah. I mean, it was leapfrogging no a few question. steps. So the compromise was that I would shake Jesse mm-hmm. in my panic. Come on, wake up, right. you, you drug addict. You know, mm-hmm. and in that doing, it would jostle her, unbeknownst to me, mm-hmm. and she would fall on her side, and I didn't see it. And then she starts choking, and I come around, and then you consciously don't, and then do I anything. consciously don't do. Which I think, no question, is much so much stronger. No doubt. There's As no opposed to having a direct That was hand. another one of those whoa moments. And by the way, in one of the many articles, I won't say ad nauseum, one of the many articles that have been written on this, yeah. uh, um, uh, one of the writers, I believe it was Chuck Klosterman, I believe, who wrote that. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said that that's the moment when you officially broke bad, is when you did not. Okay. That he pegged that moment yeah. that your character officially, went, even though you've been do, you you're doing all sorts of awfulness right. leading up to that point, when you con- your character consciously would not turn yeah. her over and let her slip away, and we also know the dominoes that tumbled after that. Goodness gracious, yeah, you know that that was the moment. That could be. Would you you you, you no, you're I still st- sticking to your assessment? I of still the think that the, the biggest moment was when he changed the person he is mm-hmm. by doing something that was completely mm-hmm. out of who he is as a person, mm-hmm. and that's the moment. Um, but others have a, a you know others will say no, he was doing it for his family. You can justify it, right? Anybody can justify anything, right? You know, you could you could talk about that forever, right? It's saying where is your morality limbo pole? At what level? Mm-hmm. You, is acceptable and what is Morality not a limbo pole. I love that. Shall we? <laughs> I don't know how much lower that pole can go on your show, but I look oh, forward to watching that. Uh, a few more questions for you here. Sure. Uh, um, 
you mentioned Malcolm in the Middle. Clearly, you spent six seasons you spent on that seven, seven seasons on yeah. that show. You, you were hilarious in that show as well. Did you think you even had Walter White in you in yeah. your in your in your profession? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that the only thing that actors really hope and need in their career is opportunity. Uh, we don't ask to, to have a job handed to us. Mm-hmm. We'll come in and earn it. Um, but without opportunity, you don't you don't ever you know possibly realize what your potential is. Mm-hmm. And so when Malcolm ended, and I was I got offers to do other sweet goofy dads, and that was yeah. I had to turn them down, of course, or mm-hmm. else, or else you're I'm helping to pigeonhole. Uh, right. who I am and what I do. And so I was willing to just stand back and see what, what else is available and go after things. And I read this script and I flipped out and he wanted to see me for it. I had done a, an X-Files episode where that he wrote, Vince Gilliard wrote, 10 years earlier. Mm. And he remembered me from that episode and called me in for this for this role, and he was my champion to get it. So you you, you were you were a bad guy in the X-Files episode? I was. I was a bad guy who you sympathized for. Yes. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, were you were you were you an alien of some sort? Were, no, some I was. Sort of, uh, it was an were episode. You possessed? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's a kind, a kind of yes. <laughs> I had this some kind of alien bug in my head, and it was an a episode. Meth cooking alien a meth bug. cooking <laughs> alien bug in my head. In a world, it does sound like that. <laughs> um, and I spent the entire uh, episode in the back seat of a, of a station wagon that David Duchovny was driving, and he had to drive 80 miles an hour in a westerly direction, or my head would explode. It was an episode called huh. "Drive," I believe, and my wife had already previously had her head explode. And oh, that's got terrible! Messy. What a horrible really, family really uh, messy. affliction that is. I know. It's dreadful. Oh, it goes way back. <laughs> I, I come from a long line of head exploders. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. you should take something for but that. That was fun. I, I also have to. Ask Ask you about Seinfeld. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you, uh, I imagine you still get I still get about that. I right? still get comments. I still about get stopped Tim in the Watley. street about being the, the dentist, Tim Watley. Yeah. I mean, you, and you were in some classic Seinfeld yeah. episodes. Yeah. The anti-dentite yeah, the episode. Yada, yada, yada. That was the yada, yada yeah, episode. Yeah, that was right? the yada, yada episode when I converted to Judaism. That and Jerry goes to my former priest to complain about it. <laughs> That's my and favorite the line. And the priest says, and this upsets you as a Jewish person? No, it upsets me as a comedian. That's my favorite yeah. line of the episode. It doesn't, it doesn't offend him on a religious level, no. or on a professional level. It upsets him so He's greatly. He's telling jokes. You just you, you converted for the That's jokes. That's right. I mean, that's because Jews tell much better jokes than Gentiles. It's it's common knowledge. I think you were also you were also in the John Voight episode too, where, yeah. where George brought a pencil right. to see if you, as a dentist, could make your can, exactly. can the see impressions. Who, right, of, who did yeah. that? How 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 much fun oh was God. that for you to do I, back I, then? The the best thing I could say is that uh, well, now you see what Larry David's contribution to it. Yes, you can see curb your enthusiasm. I love that show, Me and too. Um, so you can see the differences, the the, the nuances between. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld and and Larry David and what they brought to it. Um, I was really just a lucky observer. I got in there and auditioned for that first episode. <clears throat> Jerry laughed, and that's a good sign, and then I got the job. And then 
they use their guest stars as they should mm-hmm. to f- facilitate the star's agenda for that episode. So I came in and, you know, Jerry had to, we, well, they, we had to, uh, one time, uh, Kramer had to be mistaken for a special person. That's slurring right. his lines That's like right. this right. with Mel Torme and he had these big shoes on. That's right. You know? So how do we do that? Oh, Novocaine. Perfect. Let's get, let's get Brian back to do that. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh, the label Baby Junior. Mm-hmm. Where I was invited to the Super Bowl at Joe Robbie Stadium, by That's the right. way, uh-huh. and uh, I was uh, doing some free uh, dental work for Elaine, and we were dating, and and she gave me the label Baby Junior. I gave it to Jerry for you know I was passing around, passing around, right? And I was uh, dubbed the Regifter. You were the re- I right. was the you were re-gifter. the re too. Yeah. I mean, th- those are some iconic side They really episodes. are. Talk about opportunities. I know. And you've got more to come. Let's let's talk about them really quick. Um, uh, coming up, Contagion with Steven Soderbergh, uh, just to... uh, who's been on this podcast before, and I, I uh, it's it's a good film. I've I have seen it. I'll drop it. I've have drop seen it. it. I've I have seen a screening of it. And you know what's what's it's fantastic? It is fantastic. Brian. And you know uh, the the thing for for you mm-hmm. when 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 he said he saw Contagion, it was really good. He wanted a fist bump as opposed to shake hands. Yeah, you watch this movie, you'll go. I'm I'm not shaking hands anymore ever I, again. It's as fact, a, this might be too close contact with another human being uh, for for anybody exactly anymore. Right. Yeah, he came on. He described it as a horror movie. He said it's like a horror movie because it's about it's about a disease that is an outbreak that he swears he swears this can actually really it happen. It could actually happen, and so I I'm going to buy stock, and I, this is my stock tip to you guys. There you go. Uh, when this movie comes out, buy stock in the companies in the pharmaceuticals that have flu uh, symptom relief, whether okay. they're inoculated for flus. Because I have a feeling that when they see this movie, there's going to be a downturn in the flu, mm-hmm. and there's going to be an upturn in buying and getting flu shots. Yes, and all or or shower yourself in Purell. Yes, just like to, and to buy get... the buy the company who <laughs> makes Purell. That would work too. Although he did tell me that doesn't work. The, the it doesn't pure, work. No, just for like two seconds. For like two seconds. That's it. That's yeah, it. No. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. So that comes out in September. September. Uh, Rock of Ages is Rock well. of Ages. Uh, we're just shooting that. Uh, actually, I uh, start shooting that uh, next week. So okay. that's down in uh, Miami. I'm going to start And Alec Baldwin, Tom Cruise. Right? I know. I get to play Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband. How's that going to work? Uh, I'm going to drop my voice again. <laughs> I'm, I keep suggesting we have love scenes. Well, go, you did, well it doesn't really fit into this <laughs> I think we should just do it anyway. Didn't you just have one with uh, Julia Roberts? I just did a in Larry film Crown? Larry Crown with Julia Roberts. I was laying on top of her. How that? How was that day <laughs> work? It was hard. <laughs> was there any fruit? Did you, was it any, any fruit come out of anything? Wait, no? No, no fruit no came fruit, out of no. any crevice. <laughs> Uh, no, that was great. And I got another cool movie coming out in September called Drive, mm-hmm. which is well, uh, with Ryan Gosling and uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie Mulligan, myself, right. and uh, Ron Perlman mm-hmm. and Albert Brooks. Didn't that win the, the, the Palme d'Or? It won or, or the Best Canada? Director for Palme d'Or. See, there you go. Yeah. How about me, hey, by the look way? Look at you. How about me? I didn't even, I, how about that? That was pretty you know, impressive. You I, I can tell you about the NFL season. Yeah. And a little, and a little bit of can. Not, not, uh, not, not, not everything. Clearly, I went, but, but I did drop Palme d'Or on that, you. Yeah, you did. I can did I ask you a question? Please, go ahead. Am I going to have a team here in Los Angeles anytime I soon? I think you will have two teams. Two teams? Two teams. 
in Los Angeles. Is there going to be like a Lakers and then a Clippers? I don't. Is it going to be? Is it going to be like? <laughs> Why did you drop your voice when you said Clippers? <laughs> Gee whiz! And Barry White. Why two teams? Because we, I mean, because the stadium that gets built, whether it's downtown or out in the uh, the Inland Empire, right? Yeah. Um, they want to have it sort of like the 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 Meadowlands in New York, where there's the Jets, Giants. They want to have it every week. They want well, to have something going on every that's week. That's pretty they awesome. Have two teams, and they're talking now, about the expansion. Or are they going to be no? They, no. they got 32 teams. They're, you can't expand. They're going to have to bring some existing ones. And there's some teams in California that I think would love to move down here or up. <laughs> but up. we're not mentioning names. No, just geographically. <laughs> there's either there's two up and there's one down that would be coming uh, in different directions. So well, that's the, yeah, I mean, if I, I were so. a fan of those teams, mm-hmm. I would be pretty upset right now to think that, to have this conversation going on. Well, yeah, and that we I mean, we're just throwing this around so cavalierly willy-nilly well. yeah, as they say i know and that one of them would be the clippers yeah <laughs> and the other one would be the lakers but no it would be it would be a two-team thing and i think they'd have the super bowl here every four years the pro bowl here almost every year to get it just get it get it up and running were you were you a fan of the oh, rams man, or the a, raiders or you know i'm one? an old guy so i mean i was a ram fan for the longest time and i would mm-hmm. go to the games and then they left us and went down to anaheim and it's like well it's kind of like uh, being uh, having your girlfriend say, we'll still be friends. <laughs> We're not going to be boyfriend and girl, but we'll still be friends. Right. So come yeah. see me. It's like, come see you, but I'm confused. You're down the road, and we're not really engaged right. anymore. And then she completely broke up with me <laughs> and left for St. Louis. Thoroughly geographically Thoroughly, unsound. Completely at that uh, point in time. Undesirable. And and what happens is that, like, you have a bad breakup. You go, mm-hmm. I'm off women. That's it. I'm, I can't do it. <laughs> they drive me crazy. I'm right? not. Well, And I just kind of turned my back to, to football because, um, well, because I felt jilted, actually. It was like, how can they do that? How can we help you get over this? Can well, we I need a team. <laughs> well, what if, if, let's just say, I'm going to just throw this out here because right. there's lots of rumors about this sort of thing. What if, what if the Rams... Oh, I'd love to see the Rams come back. Would I you would, be? Would you be back? Would 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 you be back? In it the would home? be as if twenty years later, I ran into that girl at a high school reunion, right. and we went. You want to hook up? <laughs> you want to? Let's go. Still crazy We're after at the all these years. Let's go upstairs. That's what right. are we waiting for? <laughs> come on. That does sound like a Paul Simon song. Yeah, like, you know, you know, still crazy. I have after some pigskin condoms just for the occasion. <laughs> Why not? So it's now geographically sound and anatomically correct. See, now you're teasing me again, Rich. Well, because that's I what heard the NFL, that rumor too. That's what the NFL will do to you. You know, so you but, you but, gave uh, up. You gave up. You gave up. I or give up. Pay I, attention. I mean, it's okay even I if you're a tangential. I became like a voyeur fan. of of football. You know, I'd watch mm-hmm. it, but. Mm-hmm. It, it's it it really is different if you don't have your team anymore. Right. It's like, well, okay, it's someone saying, well, why don't you pick up? You know, why don't you date my girlfriend for a while? Right, you know, right, it's right, like, right. no, it's too weird. Right. I want my own, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so, I don't know. I just kind of got fed up with it, and now I'm starting to jones for it again. It's like, no, it would be good. It'd be good for the city. It'd be good. Uh, Economically, Yeah, it would be. I think it would be good all around, and the market was huge. I thought, I truly thought, when they left Anaheim, oh, they'll be back. They can't leave L.A. for long. They're, they're going to be back here. I know. And still waiting. Still waiting. I know. But don't you think people here in Los Angeles would embrace the NFL? I mean, cause huge. Everyone, well, because everybody say, oh, there's so much to do. You can go surfing. No. You can go to the beach. But I think they huge. would. Huge. They would, would be. embrace the NFL hugely. Now, two teams... 
Yeah. Yeah. Double that'd be, the pleasure. That'd be kind of fun to have them come in at the same time. Right. And the rival, you have to choose then. Now yes. you have the Doublement twins, and you're like, can I make love <laughs> to both of them? Wow, this is awesome. That speaks to the Los Angeles culture I a little love bit. <laughs> right on. Fantastic. This has been so much fun. Um, Breaking Bad on AMC, uh, Sunday, 10 p.m. That's right. And this is season four. How much longer do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how, how how long it takes to tell this story thoroughly. So I, I I definitely think that we should go a fifth season. And I think that we could logically and justifiably spread it out into six seasons and yeah. be, and without, like, you know, advancing too fast. Uh, I, mean, I got to be honest. I, 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 as, I, a, as I've shown to you and expressed to you, a huge fan of the show. Yeah. I would never have guessed it's only been, has it been less than a calendar year since the initial diagnosis in um, the actual telling of the story good over question. four seasons? For it, real? We, we've covered about a calendar year. I would never have guessed that. Never would have guessed by, that. By I the, would have thought that it, you're... you're, you're Farther, much further along down. There. Oh yeah, so you can it's only still, been a year. So you go. You, fooled, you fooled me. I mean, continue to hey, continue on. You Please know, continue. Mash extended the Korean <laughs> War for like eleven <laughs> years. Why can't we do? That is true. There's television uh, precedence here. I know. It, it's it, it's there for. And you. listen, my my daughter is attending USC mm-hmm. starting next month, and it's a very expensive school. <laughs> I need this show to stay on the air for artistic reasons. There you go. And so that means you'll be back in the L.A. Coliseum. I'll be back in the L.A. Football. Coliseum playing fo- watch, well, playing football. Watching uh, Freudian. That'd be great. Watching, uh, watching the, uh, the suspended uh, Trojans the tro- uh, <laughs> play for a little bit. So uh, you've got that uh, going on for you. Obviously, you've got um, a Contagion coming out in September. Drive coming Driving out in September, out in September as well. too. Yeah. Two huge films. And do I see you're, you're in the, the remake of Total Recall? Yeah, we're shooting that well? now. Yeah. I had no idea that we Oh, it's so awesome. Time. This is great. I get to play a bad guy again. That's a shock. And <laughs> and uh, with Colin Farrell, uh, Kate Beckinsale, Jessica Biel, three beautiful, beautiful people. I was on the set a couple of weeks ago. I was looking around, and they're gorgeous. And I'm thinking, God, look at this. And then they have me. That's you know. <laughs> Just to, just to even things out a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, I can't wait to see that. Uh, and uh, you're, you're a pleasure to, to hang out uh, with and talk to. Your, to oh, no, uh, whoops, sorry, let's pound that out. Wash the hands. <laughs> Brian Cranston on the Rich Eisen podcast. What a great show. Brian freaking Cranston and Peter King and Jeff Fisher. And Brian Cranston left behind some DVD copies of season three of Breaking Bad. And I'm going to give them away. I've got five of them. Five of them. Um, and I'm going to give them away to followers of this podcast on Twitter. We, we created Chris Law, our podcast producer, audio podcast producer, created a Twitter account a few weeks ago at the Eisen podcast. And, uh, if you follow that site and you tweet at the Eisen podcast, you got to be a follower though. If you tweet at the Eisen podcast, the name of the fruit I suggested Brian Cranston use employ the next time he pulls a prank on the set to break the crew up. If you name that fruit, you may get a chance to win this. I'm going to choose five of the correct answers from a follower group of at the Eisen podcast at random between now and next Wednesday, because that's the next time the the podcast is going to post. We're going to do it a day earlier than normal next week. I think the Canadian Football League's on NFL Network Thursday. I got preempted by by the CFL with the 55-yard line. But at any rate, uh, uh, go ahead and get yourself a copy of uh, 
the complete third season of Breaking Bad. What a great show. And hopefully the next time you download this podcast, this infernal lockout will officially be in the books and we never have to talk about this stuff again. So thanks for sticking with us. Rich Eisen signing off on the podcast. Stay listening, friends.